My name is Mark Mooney, and I run the Dictionary Reading Podcast, where we read the dictionary. My name is Toby, and I am the host of the Secret Transmission Podcast. We are a show that discusses the paranormal, conspiracies, the supernatural, UFOs, cryptozoology, and anything else weird from serial killers to cults. Our show is transmitted to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter, at SecretTransPod. So put on your tinfoil hats, come learn with us as we try to explain the unexplainable. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby and we have a pretty awesome show today. We, I brought my buddy Alec on again, and we talked about the reserve list and Eldritch Moon spoilers. By the time you hear this episode, it will be Friday, Ju- not June, July 15th. So that will be, you know, the day of midnight pre-release for Eldritch Moon. So we, we talk a lot about the set, and then we talk about the reserve list and the whole financial hubbub that's been going on with all the buyouts. So go ahead and enjoy this episode. It was, we, we had a pretty good time talking about it. And before we get into it, I need to do some advertisements to keep the lights on with magic with Zuby. This episode is featured on legitmtg.com. Legitmtg.com not only has some really well-written articles, but also, uh, I can't, I can't read this. All right, let me start over. I got this. This episode is featured on legitmtg.com. Legitmtg got, it's like it's like it's not wanting me to read it. LegitMTG.com not only has some really well-written articles, but also offers free shipping on all orders over $2 or more. Ever get tired of going to other sites and just have to buy some cheap singles and shipping costs more than what you're buying? No more. Any order over $2 or more has free shipping at LegitMTG.com. This week's episode is also brought to you by Horizon Datasys, makers of Rollback RX. Do you ever wish you could take your PC back in time and restore to a pristine state? Rollback RX not only allows you to bring your machine back to any point in time, but it's a great way to recover from a bad driver update, viruses, or even a botched installation. Horizon Datasys doesn't tend to discount their product often as they know it's going to save you hundreds of dollars in recovering your PC, but for listeners of Magic Azubi, they provided us an exclusive discount. Visit https colon slash slash go.gl slash capital d i capital b v a capital f for 25 percent off rollback rx and as usual i will always be sure to tweet out a link to be able to get that if you want to buy it also this week's episode is sponsored by five color combo five color combo is a great resource to find custom tokens playmats or other accessories to learn more about magic the gathering and keep up with the latest news and strategies. They've also developed the premier app for getting better at limited called magic drafter. Go to five today, or click on the links in the, the description to check it out. And you can find magic with Zuby on the following iTunes, Google play, Stitcher, TuneIn radio, and mtgcast.com. If you wish to email me with any questions, email me at mtgzuby at gmail.com. Magic with Zuby is also on Facebook at facebook.com slash magicwazubi as well as twitter at magicwazubi i'd also like to give a shout out to a listener her name is anna she sent me a message and i think she's probably my first international listener 
at least the first international listener that has sent me something. She is from Argentina and told me that she loves listening to the podcast and while she's playing Magic Gathering. So I just wanted to give her a shout out and say thanks, Anna, for listening. I really appreciate it. And I told you I'd give you a shout out. So there it is, by the way. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. So, hey, man, how's it going? Good, man. How you doing tonight? Oh, I'm pretty exhausted. I had a really busy day today. Oh, yeah? What were you up to? I went to the gym, um, started working out again. I took a, like, two-day break this week. And I got you. Starting hit it, hitting it again. And I'm doing this new routine where I wake up at 4.30 in the morning and go to the gym. Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, I'm on my third week now. The third week, I'm pretty much used to it. But that first week, oh, my God, I wanted to die. <laughs> yeah, I think I heard you talking about that on uh, on one of your shows there when you started it. I think it was VCR Gaming where you mentioned when you started it. And and I was just sitting there thinking 430. That's uh, that's way too early in the morning. That sounds that sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually nice in the sense that once I get the workout done, I don't have to worry about it for the rest of the day. Yeah, that's I, a good point. Yeah, because I was doing it at night, and then by the time I get home on some days from work, I'm just I'm exhausted. I don't want to do it. I so got you. That that's the one benefit of doing it butt ass early in the morning. But it's, yeah, there's still certain days. It depends on what muscle group I'm working out, where it's just like fuck my life. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I totally get how that could be. I'm I've been not working out, but just working a lot and and uh, doing a lot of lifting and stuff like that. Just at work, yeah. And it, yeah. Uh, I still feel it just all over me, and I'm like, oh god, I'm a horribly out of shape person. I need to fix this. Yeah, man. With you being outside, how how have you been surviving this summer? This summer has been really brutal so far. Uh, it's been, yeah, this is, this has been one of the hottest summers that I can ever recall, uh, working out there. And I'm not the only one. I mean, I will, I work with a lot of guys that are, you know, like the real old timers and, um, and they keep saying too, that it, this is just so incredibly hot. They, they have no idea what, uh, how any of us are doing it. But I mean, for me, it's just like, you know, I take as many precautions as I can, just wear a lot of sunscreen, get out of the heat whenever I can, drink just, I'm pretty sure I drink my weight in water and Gatorade every day. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's about all I can do. But yeah, it's, it's, it's brutal. This is not, this has not been a good summer to be working outdoors. And, and I immediately have to look at my life and look at my choices to see how I got to this point. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, um, I was, on 4th of July in the morning, j just in the morning, like at 9 o'clock, I went and mowed the lawn, you know, trimmed some bushes, trimmed some trees, you know, just typical yard work stuff. And it took me about hour and a half, two hours. I felt like I was going to die. Oh, jeez. I, I drank so much water, but it still didn't feel like enough. 
No, it never feels like enough, especially when I'm, I think it's something about Florida too, like just the humidity that we get down here. Yeah. Like it just feels like you are just drenched in your own fluids plus just everything. It's awful. It is just terrible. Yeah, man, it is. It's so I work in Tampa every day. Tampa has been getting a crap ton of rain, but up here in Hernando County, we're getting jack shit. Oh yeah, no, no, we are we are dry as a bone here in Marion County too, which which is terrible for us because our grove desperately needs the rain. But uh, yeah, I've been keeping an eye on you know that's part of my job basically is to keep an eye on the weather patterns and and it seems like everything is going south of us and north of us and we're just getting squat. Yeah, it's it sucks because I went out. Let's see. I went to the beach today, and then when I came back around three thirty, actually thought I saw some rain clouds to the south of us, and it looked like it was coming to us. And yet, nope. Nope. It's like, oh no, we're going the other way. We just want to say hi real quick. <laughs> it's cra- it's crazy because it'll like it'll thunder and lightning here uh, at my place, like same time every day around five thirty six o'clock, but it's never any rain. It'll just be like a thunder and lightning storm no rain or if there is any rain it's like two minutes at the very most yeah. it's crazy so how, mu- how much water are you guys having to use then you guys must be using a crap ton of water yeah just to sustain the crops i mean we've got i mean the you know the good and bad news i guess is that all of that is pretty heavily regulated just because we do when we pump water we're pumping out of the aquifer or out of the uh, st john's water table basically um so, uh, you know, everything is very highly regulated for us. Um, so, but we, we still use our allotment, I think is, uh, 300,000 gallons a day. Oh shit. Um, and that's just our allotment. I mean, you know, in, in special, uh, in special occasions, they can let us go over that or we try to go under it as much as we possibly can. But yeah, we're using at least, at least that, especially right now, just with how dry and hot it is. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Wow, man. <clears throat> That's insane. So Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, so what the only other thing I did today was yeah, go to the beach. I became a beach bum for like four hours with my kid. It's I, I needed it, man. I needed to go to that beach and just do nothing. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. Um did you guys have fun though? Oh yeah. It was just me and my little one, my youngest daughter. My wife and oldest had to go do some other stuff so they could uh, come with us. And um, so me and my youngest, we built some sandcastles. She played Godzilla after I built them. Um, nice. It's always one of my favorite things because she, she's one of those, oh, no, I want to keep it and all this. I'm like, no, destroy it. <laughs> well, that's the whole point of building sandcastles anyway, isn't it? Yeah, of course. And then just we just played a lot in the water and it it was just a lot of fun it was just very relaxing no good good man yeah, i didn't take my shirt off though because if anyone knows me how white i am and how easily i burn <laughs> even i could i could like dip you know dip my body into a vat of sunscreen and still you know oh burn. that's awful yeah but my but my little daughter it's weird because my wife and I both burn really easily, but my daughter, she just turns brown. Oh, wow. So it's lucky like, so, yeah, she got lucky. So it's got to be somewhere in one of our, you know, family members that does that. But yeah, yeah. She, she's lucky. 
she doesn't. I always, I always used to be the exact same way too. Like if I stepped outside, I would just immediately burn. And then after working out here, now I have the the wicked farmer's tan, and I'm pretty, I'm pretty <laughs> sure, I'm pretty sure my arms are just straight leather at this point because they just kind of have that look and consistency up to my sleeve, and then it's just like all pasty white the rest of the way around. Oh, <laughs> man. But yeah, I used to be the exact same way until I started working outside all the time. Maybe after a while it just, you know, changes, but yeah. Yeah, I guess. All that vitamin D on your skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. And so then only other thing I did today was I sold a crap ton of bulk rares to my local game store. From, oh, good. From Dragons to Shadows, just absolute crap. And they gave me 30 bucks for it, so oh, nice. can't complain about that. No, especially not. I mean, you know, the closer and closer we edge to that rotation time, which we still got plenty of time, but, you know, especially if you got a, just a bunch of bulk rares sitting around from draft, now's the time to offload that. Oh, yeah, definitely. There there were some cards I kept. Uh, hold on, let me pull. I got my binder right next to me. There were some cards I kept because I'm thinking maybe somewhere down the line they they might be good. Like the ones that I kept a playset of were Stonehaven Outfitter. Mm-hmm. And that's the one colorless and a white 2-2. Uh, Equip creatures you control get plus one, plus one. And whenever an equipped cre- equip creature you control dies, draw a card. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Right now it doesn't fit in any shell right now in, in standard. But, I mean, you never know what, what, with what Kaladesh will bring. So True. And you never know when something like that could... I mean, an effect like that is powerful enough drawing a card. Yeah. That- that it could see, it, I mean, you could even see something like that in some kind of a modern uh, sacrifice deck or something like that down the line. You just never know when something like that's going to pop up. And a, and something like that that has a potential for a very high power level is probably something that's worth holding on to. You never know. Yeah, yeah I'm trying to think. What else did I keep um, that seemed worth it? Of course, I kept my play set of Pia and Kieran, even though they see yeah. some modern play, but I still really like them. Yeah, I mean, they are seeing play in modern, and, and it's an extremely powerful card. I mean, I am I was playing the crap out of that card, so I'm, yeah, I would definitely hang on to that. Yeah, there's, um, I'm still keeping a play set of Undergrowth Champion just in case. Yeah, you but, never know. I mean, yeah. I know Landfall was more of a thing in the beginning of Battle for Zendikar, but... Uh, you n- you never know. Maybe red green aggro becomes a thing again. I don't know. Well, that card just seems like undergrowth champion. I always had it pegged to just be a stupid powerful card, and the effect just seems so so good. I don't I don't really know why he never really got his time in the sun. He saw a little bit of play like right when he was first available, yeah. but he hasn't seen much going forward, and it. It seems weird because he seems like a stupid powerful card. I mean, that yeah. effect is real good. Yeah, it's from my experience, because I played a lot of Landfall in the beginning of Battle for Zendikar. My thoughts on that was, <coughs> excuse me, was it was just too slow. By turn three, you don't want to be playing another creature. You probably either want to be playing a smaller creature like Scythe Leopard or Snapping Gnarlid. Or the <clears throat> two one trample one. I can't remember. Oh, the, the uh, McKinney slide runner. Yeah, that one. And either play that or be pumping one of your creatures at that time and go into do a lot of damage. So 
I mean, sense. I never when I played it, I never used a full playset of them. I used, I think, two of them, mm. and it very rarely saw playing. It was a very easy card to sideboard out. Yeah, I mean, I think I always just saw it as being more just a very powerful green card. I always thought if there was just going to be like not necessarily <laughs> even a landfall deck, but just like some of the mid-range red-green decks that were floating around, I, I thought he just slid right into there. But uh, I can, I've, I've been known to misevaluate cards in the past, and I'm not ashamed to say that that was one that I misjudged heavily. But uh, but he still seems very good, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't put him, I wouldn't put it. I wouldn't, let's just say I wouldn't be surprised if he cropped up again in the future somewhere. Yeah. There was another card I was hoping that would have seen more play, and that was Woodland Wanderer. Oh, is that the one uh, where he gets a plus one, plus one? Ca- it's the Converge guy, right? The yeah. Trample, Trample Vigilance con- uh, Converge? Yep. Yeah. I like that card. And, uh, and it's, I mean, one right now standards dominated by coco decks so mm-hmm. maybe in kaladesh he'll become good you know i mean i don't know it all depends on what the mana base looks like but i mean at most he comes in a 4-4 vigilance trample i mean you can't argue with that but it's still still not good enough right now no i think you know especially right now four mana for a creature is just one step too high for the green decks you know yeah and, and especially with this uh, converge card is not something you really want uh, in a collected company deck or something like that anyway, because you want to cast it to get the full effect. So yeah, I think he just had the unfortunate, uh, the unfortunate problem being printed at the same time that collected company was around and just never really got to see his time in the sun. But um, again, stupid, powerful card and a really good limited card. (laughs) Oh yeah, I, mean, I would slam him every time I saw him whenever I drafted. So, but uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's just kind of sad that he never really got to see his time. Yeah, but it happens. Um, so let's see. As far as Magic playing goes, I did some drafting last night. Did you? Yeah, I've been actually drafting the past few weeks. I haven't I haven't touched Standard in a while. Actually, yeah, neither have I. <laughs> I just I haven't. I mean, I did just pack up, not pack up, but sleeve up my Bant Company deck again because I figure I'm going to play Standard next week just one last time before hopefully things change. I'm hoping, you know, because I'm pretty excited about Eldritch Moon here. I'm I'm certain that things will change one way or the other come Eldritch Moon. I mean, it may not be like a super drastic change, and I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, some version of Bant company and some version of green white tokens remaining near the top of the stack yeah but but there are some really cool things coming in other colors that might help push those decks may not may make it so those decks aren't quite as dominant as they've been over the past couple months yeah but uh but yeah no i i mean i was listening the other day to another show where they were talking about band company and green white tokens and basically if you're not playing one of those decks right now something is wrong with you and so it sounds like you're doing just fine by sleeping up that deck. Yeah, it's um pretty much all I've been seeing in standard is Bant, Green White, or Black White Control. That's it. I've been seeing more of the Black Green Control pop up recently. Oh, that's right, the Seasons Pass one. Yeah, or and then there was a list uh, that did pretty well at one of the GPs a couple weeks ago. That was a Soul Time mid range deck. That was really just a 
a green it was just a green black deck and i think the only blue was maybe in the sideboard but it was uh yeah i mean but it was still running off that same idea the seasons past like one or two of seasons past the uh dark petitions and then all the good green black stuff that goes along with that uh sylvan advocates and your black removal suite for languish you know uh just try to keep the uh humans decks suppressed while still going over the top of some of the uh the green white tokens decks but even then it's i mean even though i'm seeing it around it's still not putting up nearly as good numbers as those other two decks are yep pretty much (laughs) (laughs) i mean which is why i'm sitting out of standard right now (laughs) yeah it's like i said i'm gonna give standard another chance when eldritch moon comes out i'm obviously gonna wait for you know for some of the star city games and grand prix to come out and see what they're building because i don't lately i haven't been in the mood for building jank unless it's modern right you know because i've been really working hard on that goblin artifact explosion deck and i think i've got it tuned pretty well the only thing i really wish i could change but i just don't feel like dropping the money for it is um instead of four monastery swiss spears get four goblin guides instead yeah, that would be, I mean, I feel like you could probably have both and it would be super awesome, but Goblin Guide I feel like is a, a completely necessary evil in a in a modern Goblins deck. Yeah, I could probably keep both, you're right, because sort of what my replacement for Goblin Guide is Legion Loyalists right now. Mm-hmm. And um, I picked them up really cheap. It was before they spiked up to like 15 bucks a piece. Yeah. Or whatever. So they, I got them for like, two three bucks a piece so i'm like yeah okay <laughs> but Jeez. um yeah so it's like I, said, I i was i've been playing that past few weeks and i think i've got it really tuned and it's first game i can usually win by turn four i've actually been able to win once by turn three i would not be surprised i mean that deck is stupid fast and especially if you've got goblin guide in there as well it just makes it that much faster yeah, it's it is a fast, fast, fast deck. Yeah, the one thing it's the one thing I really like about it is one, it's a glass cannon type deck. Mm-hmm. If you if you wipe my field, I'm pretty much I'm done. There's nothing I can really do. So game two, I usually have to play it slightly slower, just not as fast. It it, it all depends on what I'm playing against. But no, right. I've I've actually been really trying to practice playing Grixis Delver because I want to go to that modern open. September come September the Star City Games one. Oh yeah yeah yeah. So I'm I'm trying to get as much Grixis Delver practice as I can, and I'm getting better at it. I've been playing more on X Mage than anything, because okay. I don't want to spend the money for it on Magic Online. So. Yeah, well, yeah, I can't say I blame you. That's probably <laughs> one of one of the more expensive modern decks right now. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, I already have it built on paper. There's a few changes I want to make. I want to get a play set of Ancestral Visions, and I think I have enough time to get it between here until the Modern Open. So it's I need I need that. I need some other small cards like Dreadbore and... Mm, okay. um, oh, and Vend- Vendillion Click I need also. Yeah. Um, those shouldn't be too hard. To, I mean, the Dreadbores will be pretty easy to find, and I'm pretty sure those yeah. are pretty cheap right now. Uh, yeah, they're like clicks. three, four bucks. Clicks is probably another story, but uh, I still don't. I mean, they may have come down a little bit. I haven't really checked recently on the price on clicks, but I know that those were 
always one of the more prohibitive cards for me getting into modern was having to buy V clicks. <laughs> well, the thing that took me the longest to get was the were the Snapcaster mages. Oh yeah, because nobody wants to let go of those. I mean, that's like that's like modern gold if you plan on playing blue. Oh yeah, it's um, I had to slowly buy each one, and luckily I got my last one from someone who owed me about 50 bucks because i paid for them to get into a modern iq so they just gave me a snapcaster in payment and i'm like okay nice yeah that's fair yeah (laughs) so i didn't mind that at all no i don't blame you at all that that's a sweet sweet deal i'd take that in a heartbeat yeah man so how have you been doing what have you been up to uh not a whole lot magic wise i you know i've been working a lot and uh working on my house just working around and then also i've been playing a lot of hearthstone recently but uh and i've just been i haven't played standard i don't think in about a month or so but i i've done a couple of drafts the draft format has kind of lost a bit of its luster for me i still like shadows over in a straw draft um i won't say that it's one of my favorite draft formats but it's a good one uh but i think i've pretty much it's pretty much run its course for me, and I'm excited for the new set to come out. I'm excited to draft this set. It looks like a lot of fun to draft. Um, and I am excited for a couple of the cards in there for maybe standard purposes, so I may get back into standard once Eldritch Moon drops. Um, but for now, I'm kind of just biding my time until Eldritch Moon comes out and playing a lot of Hearthstone in the meantime. But <laughs> otherwise, uh, yeah, yeah, no- nothing too magical for me recently, which kind of feels like there's something missing from my life there but yeah that sounds very similar to me because i've been getting up working out going to work coming home it's like rinse and repeat yeah pretty much and it's yeah today was like one of the days where it was very different you know went to the beach relaxed and just did nothing that's kind of something you have to do every once in a while, though. Otherwise, yeah. you just kind of fall apart. <laughs> yeah, man. But yeah, I, I kind of agree with what you're saying with Shadows Over Innistrad Limited. Since I've been drafting, I think, the past four weeks of Shadows. And while the one thing I like about it is how it's not a very linear format. It's, it's not linear compared to Battle for Zendikar or Oath of oath of the gate watch was it it you know because like last week i built a a mill control deck and that was something really fun to play i went two and two at the end but each game even the games that i lost were very very close nice so that was fun and then last night i i drafted a pretty generic blue green or not blue green um white green uh werewolf human deck so okay it, it was good. It was just, nah, too slow. Yeah, I typically, I mean, obviously, when you're going werewolves, you kind of typically want to be red green for just the speed purposes of it. But I mean, I've seen the white green work. Um, you just, I mean, werewolves is one of those decks that's either you kind of know right away whether or not you're going to win the game just based on how fast you can get on the board. If you've got some of the low drops like uh, Hinterland Logger or uh, Lamhole pacifist, you know some yeah. of the more, some of the more of the two drop werewolves, because um, that's going to be the easiest way to flip them. Is if you drop something on turn two and then your opponent misses their third land drop, it's like okay, well the game's now over because I've got a flipped werewolf and you got nothing. 
pretty much and one of the one of the guys in one of the other pods because we, we were doing two pods of, of eight and um one of the guy he drafted the perfect red green werewolf deck his first pick was arlen cord and uh. just went on from there i don't i don't think he i think he only ended up going i think two and two at the end of the night wow but it was it the deck was just ridiculous that's pretty i I don't know that's kind of sad if he only went two and two and that was like he had the perfect one man that seems yeah well i guess it doesn't seem it it actually doesn't surprise me that much because i mean like i said werewolves is one of those decks that either you kind of win fast or you kind of run out of steam pretty quick and then fall on your face so it's uh yeah it's and, and like I said, I do really enjoy this draft format. I've had a great time with Shadows over in Estrad, but I, I wouldn't say that it's one of my favorites. And I, I think I've just kind of run my course with it and ready for something else. Yeah, I've definitely, I definitely put it over Battle for Zendikar and Oath of the Gatewatch, yes. though. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's been way better than that. Heck, I even think I put it over um, Origins as well because I didn't really care for Origins draft. Yeah. I yeah I don't think I enjoyed Origins as much as I've enjoyed uh, Shadows Over Innistrad. Origins was, I mean, where Shadows Over Innistrad has a lot of synergy to it, Origins was just very very linear in the sense that the guy with the most two drops typically won the game. Pretty much. <laughs> but uh, I mean, yeah. So I mean, it, it has been better than the past couple draft formats, and, and I'm hoping once Eldritch Moon drops, you know, we still will have a pack of. Uh, shadows in there so it's not like it's going away completely um it's just a lot of the archetypes i think are going to be harder to draft since there's going to be less shadows in there uh so there will be a shakeup, limited wise as far as what archetypes actually turn out to be good yeah it looks like blue is getting way better in this draft i sure format. hope so poor blue it's just no respect for blue in the shadows over innerstrad at all yeah man it's it it's sad because I I think every single color that I see always ignored is blue. Yeah, I mean that's the way it's been with shadows. Which I mean, some of it I think, uh, yeah, blue is obviously probably the weakest color in shadows over in a straw draft. But I will say one thing about blue and shadows: it's not like green was in battle where you just couldn't draft green. Period. Like, if, if blue is open, you can move in on blue and still have a pretty decent chance to take down the draft. Yeah. Um, I've done it even just going, like, the straight mono blue or the blue-red uh, uh, Rise from the Tides deck. You know, like, there, if, it, if it's past you, I mean, if blue is that open, you can still win with blue, as opposed to when green was the worst in battle, you know, you just could not win, period, if you drafted green. So it's it's the weakest color but it's not so weak that it's undraftable yeah it's, but it does uh, look like we're getting some some nice some nice toys to play with here in uh in eldritch moon for blue so that should be nice yeah i'm looking at some of my past draft decks for shadows yeah i only went 3-0 once in shadows mm. oh well really what well wait what was the deck that did that it was an abzan um, Shadows um, of Strad. My first pick was Seasons Past. Okay, yeah, that says a lot right there. <laughs> yeah, it was Seasons Past, and I also got Cryptolith right. Um, mm. My creatures were Accursed Witch, uh, Gloom Widow, Heir of Falconrith, 
someone passed that to me. So wow, um, indulgent aristocrat, inspiring captain, which I love that card. I do too. A uh, loam dryad, obsessive skinner, pale rider of Trostad, rotten heart ghoul, spectral shepherd, thornhide wolves, town gossip monger, watcher in the web. Jeez. And then my sorceries were angelic purge, uh, ethereal guidance, murderous compulsion, seasons pass, shambleback, which I still find really good when you can fit it in. Yeah. And then oh, expose evil and merciless resolve. So yeah, it was um seasons pass was the real big winner where just oh you kill a bunch of my shit, I'm just gonna get it all back, you know, or get a bunch of my instants or sorceries back. Yeah, absolutely. And that, I mean, that deck just sounds, oh, that sounds horrible to have to play against. <laughs> <laughs> I would not want to play against that deck ever. Yeah, I think I, looking at my past decks, I think I have a problem with Shadows of Undershot. I draft too much white. Oh, I don't know if you can draft too much white necessarily in Shadows. Yeah, because there's usually in... Holy shit, I'm looking at a lot of my past draft decks. I draft way too much white. Well, I think, I mean, you could defend yourself there by saying that, and I, I would tend to agree with this, that I think white was actually probably the strongest draft color. Um, it was certainly one of the deeper colors. It had the best piece of removal. It had the best bomb in the game uh, in Archangel Avison. You know, so yeah. I, th I think white... White was definitely the strongest color, and it was a very deep color, so it was very easy to draft white. So I don't necessarily think you made it. You you made a mistake or drafted or by drafting a lot of white. It seems like that was a a color that was very, uh, very, very, very good <laughs> in Shadows of Innistrad. Yeah, it was. But no, I, I think you're right. I agree with you. I'm I'm looking forward to Eldritch Moon. I'm actually really excited about it. It's because you remember when we talked about Shadows of Innistrad before, and mm -hmm. I was just like, eh, it looks okay. But it's just something with the flavor of this set, especially with a lot of the cards. It's I mean, I know a lot of people are tired of Eldrazi and all that stuff, but it it just feels different. It's like Eldrazi mixed with ghosts and goblins and ghouls yeah. and zombies and the flavor of this set is so insane i mean it, it feels closer to original innistrad than shadows did yeah I, I, in, I, in in terms well i guess because there's a lot more throwback cards yeah i think that's that's one of the biggest things is that we've we're seeing a lot of this stuff from original innistrad um but then also i think we're also feeling the same feelings that we had in original Innistrad because we're getting some mechanics that are so new and yeah. like so crazy, like the meld mechanic and stuff like that. Um, you know, we're seeing stuff that we've never seen before, which is what original Innistrad was for us with flip cards and stuff that we never seen before. Yeah. So it, it's giving us that same kind of nostalgia, that same kind of excitement, that same kind of hype. Where where you know we're breaking new ground here, so it'll be it'll be cool to see how it stacks up. Yeah, it will be. It'll be um, it will be pretty fun to see. And you're right because it when when shadows came out, the shadows draft was good. It just felt like oh, it's more the same of what's going on, or or what we've done. 
You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, it was still it's still fun, but like you said, it's I'm excited about this. I don't know. There, there is just a lot of the art is really good. The some of the cards are really exciting. Hopefully, they can, looks like some of them may even shake up modern too. Yeah, yeah, they definitely could. And and I I think some the art in this for Eldritch Moon is some of the craziest. And at the same time, I would hang every piece of this art on my wall in a heartbeat. Like it's all beautiful. I'm very, I'm very cool with the with the art in this set. It's awesome. Yeah, man. So before we get into some Eldritch Moon spoilers, I don't know if you saw on my Twitter that I am hosting a giveaway for two Commander 2015 decks. Ooh, no, I did not see that. So basically, I've been saying that I'm going to announce how people can win these. So if Someone wants to win one of these decks. I'm going to be giving out two of them, so there's going to be two winners. Um, I'm not sure. I may end it. May I may do it for like two episodes. Maybe just give people two weeks. And um, so basically, what they have to do is they have to email me at mtgzubi at gmail dot com, and they have to use the code word cowabunga. Cowabunga. Yeah. All right. So if you want to win one of these decks, the decks are Swell the Host, which is the Simic one with Azuri, and Wade into the Wade into Battle, the Boros one with how do you say that? Calum Calumny? Calumny, I think is how you pronounce yeah. it. Yeah. So yeah, if like I said, if you want to win one of them, email me at mtgzubi at gmail.com with and all you have to put in the subject is Kawabunga, and then I will pick a random winner from there well don't even bother writing in people because i've already done it no i'm kidding i don't don't (laughs) think i can be eligible for it (laughs) yeah so like like i said it's it's up to and i'll i'll pay the shipping to send it to whoever and and you know go ahead enter and get a chance to win one of these decks so exciting yeah man it's i'm pretty excited to give them away and so before we get into Eldritch Moon spoilers, I think I already said that. Let's talk about what kind of craziness is going on in the financial sector of Magic. Oh, Have you been he- reading about it? God, man. <laughs> so do, I, do you want I, to give a little story of like what the very beginning of what's been going on? You know, I don't really know how it started. You should probably say how it started because like I came into it very late and I've been trying to catch myself up on everything that's been going on and I've got a decent idea and I've definitely got a lot of opinions on what's going on. Um, but it all did it all start with the guy posting the videos or where where did it where did it kind of start? So it seems like it started with yet yeah, the guy posting video Craig Berry. Yeah, seeing the videos where he bought out Moat and Lion's Eye Diamond, and then he started targeting Gaia's Cradle and what was it, Sarah's Sanctum? I think mm-hmm. mainly reserved list cards. And he he posts these videos to say, "Hey, I'm going to be buying these out," you know, and he suggests to all his other followers to buy them out as well. And just he sh- he's shooting these prices up like crazy. Yeah, and I mean, basically, what he's doing is is playing the secondary market to his advantage to make a profit um, by using the reserved list, which is kind of, I mean, I'm sure that we're going to have 
this all kind of goes back to the reserve list and how yeah. the reserve list was started and why the reserve list was started that now somebody can do something like this. But I mean, you know, obviously people are, are not very happy with this guy doing this. And I don't, I don't know where I fall on this. I really don't. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to feel one way or another because one if you have the money, you can go do it. No one's going to be able to stop you. No, you what know? he's doing is not illegal. Like yeah. a, a lot of people, like I've seen comments where a lot of people are like, wait, this guy is basically, you know, stealing from us by buying out all these cards. No, he's basically day trading is what he's doing. You know, he's speculating on a card to go up in price. And now he, you know, he is kind of gaming the system a little bit because he is targeting cards that will obviously skyrocket in price if the if the if the uh, supply disappears because they're yeah. on the reserve list but at the same time you know he's just a speculator he's taking a gamble he's gambling on a card saying hey if i buy enough copies of this card maybe the price will shoot up on the secondary market and you know so what he's doing is not illegal and we should not punish him for what he's doing do i necessarily agree with him like the kind of moral aspect of what he's doing uh no no i don't think i do i mean i i do think it's kind of scummy what he's doing but i can understand i mean it's not like he's doing something that's necessarily illegal it's just a little scummy yeah and i've seen a lot of comments saying you know, because people complain, oh, well, you know, you've just bought me out of Legacy now. You know, yeah. I can't get into Legacy. And people will say, oh, and a lot of the comp the comments I've been seeing are, well, you should have gone into Legacy 10 years ago. And it's like, that's just a bullshit excuse right now. Oh, there. yeah. No, that's that's garbage. That is complete and total garbage. Yeah, so someone like me, I'm really interested in building Legacy Elves. And the only pieces I need now are for Gaia's Cradles. And yeah, I could go right now and buy a playset, and it looks like cheapest I see on TCG right now is two twenty five. So I can go and buy a playset right now, and I'll be fine. But one, I, my wife would be extremely pissed off at me. <laughs> <laughs> She'd be like, "Why are you spending almost a thousand dollars in cards like one after the other?" I'd just be like, oh, well, you know, there's this card game that I like. Well, no, she, she knows I spend, you know, a lot of money on magic, but she wouldn't be happy if I spent that much at once, you know. Especially when it's for in, you know, because this is the discussion me and my wife had about this, too, because she was interested in why I was getting so upset about it. So I kind of explained it to her. And, you know, it's it's not just that. It's the fact that you're paying almost a thousand dollars for just four cards. You know, yeah, and it's, it's it's not like you're paying a thousand dollars for a whole deck. This is a thousand dollars for four cards. And it's it really it really is ridiculous when you think of it that way. There are four pieces of cardboard that could easily be destroyed. You know, they are completely worthless. Like in, yeah. in the value of the materials it took to make them, they're about as worth about as much as the diaper I just took off my kid's butt and threw in the garbage. Yeah, like how much how much would it? How much do magic cards actually cost to print? Like a single magic card, maybe a penny. You can't. I, I can't imagine that it's that much. I or mean, or, le, or a tenth of a penny or something. I don't know. 
there, there's probably someone that knows how much it costs to print a card. Oh, I'm certain that those yeah. that those numbers are out there. I, I don't think that it's any secret, but I, I guarantee you that it is not even a dollar. I'm sure it's like maybe a dollar at the very most to print a single magic card, but I doubt it's even that. But it's like, it's you make a really good point and you know it's all how we perceive the value of the cards as well because when you look at it guy's cradle is an extremely good magic card oh yeah and it's it it's funny because i i think of spending a thousand dollars on this almost a thousand dollars where it's like i could take that thousand dollars and you know improve parts of my house or something or or buy a really nice watch or get mm-hmm. something like that but or put a down payment on a Rolex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, pay the 15 grand remaining on that. But I mean, that's beside the point. It's still, it's frustrating because I was actually this month, I was going to buy my first piece of Gaia's cradle because before this whole buyout happened, they were down to like 150. I was seeing 150, 160. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was going to start buying one piece a month. And now I'm just like, well, shit. So should I even keep focusing on legacy right now or continue focusing on stand or not or standard and modern? Well, I think in the end, it's a decision that you have to make for yourself. You know, I made the decision a long time ago that, you know, if somebody put a legacy deck in my hand, of course, I will play legacy. I enjoy playing legacy. Uh, I, you know, I've had a legacy deck in the past that took a very long time to put together. And, um, you know, Legacy is a very fun format, but I decided for myself, you know, it is not a format that I can fully invest in just because the, the cost is so prohibitive. And I think in the end, it's like, you know, it's one of those things like you either invest now and just kind of rip the Band-Aid off and, and just kind of like eat the eat the costs now. Because you're never, I mean, with a lot of these decks, you're never going to have to invest in another Magic card again. Like, that's your Legacy deck. Like if you if you build miracles, like that's it. You're a miracles player. It's not like you swap between legacy decks unless you just have infinite cards. So it, it's it's an investment, but the problem is is that you're investing on something that's value can fluctuate at the drop of a hat. I mean, this is all speculation on a secondary market. There, like we said, there's no value in the card itself. It's it's how it is perceived at at the time. You know, if if Gaia's Cradle was suddenly banned in Legacy tomorrow, I guarantee you the price would not stay where it's at. Oh, it would plummet hardcore. It would, it would crash, you know, and, and that's the thing. Like, you, you can't, people make the argument, well, you, you can invest in, like, Legacy is an investment. I'm like, that is probably the worst possible investment you could make, man. Yeah. You're, you're investing in cardboard that literally <laughs> can go up or down on the whim of the players like that. That's a terrible way to invest your finances. Yeah. And that's one thing that I've never understood how people, you know, like, the, like the speculators, Craig Berry, he's, he, you know, I've read a, an interview. I don't remember the whole thing where he was talking about, Oh, you know, I'll buy magic cards, sell them and where he'll, he'll do these buyouts and then sell them and get, you know, <clears throat> however much profit back, but it's it's almost like if if you do that, why isn't he a day trader at that point? Well, and you know? I mean, it it 
it that's exactly what it is. He's just doing it with magic cards as opposed to stocks. And I mean, if you've got the mind for it, yeah, he could probably do day trading and, and do really well. He enjoys doing it with magic. Like I think I read the same interview that you did, the blog post that was yeah. with him. Yeah, I mean it just sounds like, you know, this is his his thing. He has he has a mind for doing these kind of speculations and trading uh as far as as buying cards out and selling them back at a profit. If you got a mind for that, more power to you. I don't. I don't think I ever will. But uh you know, I'm sure that if he wanted to quit doing this with magic cards and doing it with stocks, he could do it just as easy. He just loves doing it with magic cards. And you know, I, honestly, I'm 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 glad for the guy that he's got a brain like that that can work like that. More power to him. Uh, do I still think it's a little scummy? Yeah, I still think it's a little scummy. <laughs> but that's just because I'm I'm also a selfish Magic player that can only think about myself and and how the value of my decks and also how much money I have to pay to get into a format where people are doing stuff like this. Um, you know, I can only see my my own wants and desires in that. But, you know, all of this goes back to really the reserve list. I mean, the reserve list is the reason why we have the secondary market in the first place. So it's just, it's, it's a tightrope. The whole thing is a tightrope. It's so hard to walk that fine line there. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. Cause on one hand, you can they can do functional reprints of reverse of the reserve list you know like like they just did a functional reprint of donate isn't that on the reserve list i believe so let me see i don't actually have the reserve the whole reserve list here, up in front of me. yeah i'm gonna look it up here but I mean, yeah, obviously they can do functional reprints. I mean, yeah. that was one of the things that they reserve the right to do. Yeah, donate is is a reserve list card where okay. target player gains control of target permanent you control and harmless offering, which is two and a red instead of two and a blue, is essentially the same card. Right. right. Instead of target player, it says target opponent. Right, and and, you know, I think it's that a lot of people don't realize that a lot of the cards that are on the reserve list are still not worth that much. Like I don't think donate is a very expensive card, even though it's on the reserve list. Yeah. I think it's a couple bucks. There are still, you know, even on the reserve lists, there are cards that are more expensive than others, just based on how much they're used. Uh, and you know, it's, it's just, and it's all based on, yeah, it's just all based on what they're used for. Like, who's playing what right now? What what cards are good? What cards are bad? You know, it's... I don't necessarily even think the reserve list is a bad thing. I think that... I think that it's unhealthy at a level. But at the same time, it's it's healthy for another side of the game, which is the secondary market. If we didn't have the reserve list, there would be no decent secondary market for magic cards but it's it's a delicate it's a very delicate conversation the reserve list and the secondary market in general both of these are you know the the most prohibitive thing to getting into magic are those two things for sure so what do you think should happen do you think 
uh, you know, that Wizards needs to step in and just say, hey, you know, we're going to not even support Legacy anymore. And because a lot of people are talking about reserveless, reserve or reserveless, reserveless or whatever, no, no reserveless Legacy or something. Mm-hmm. I don't. I mean, I don't necessarily think that's the answer. I think it's pretty obvious that they're they're not... Let's put it this way. I don't think they will ever, ever come out and say, we are letting Legacy go. Like, I don't think they're ever going to say that. But the actions that both Wizards and, like, Star City have taken recently in getting rid of a lot of the major Legacy tournaments... I think shows to me that they're not they're not going to do anything to help it. They're basically going to say, "Harry, legacy is going to either survive or it's going to die, but we're not going to we're not going to step in either way." Which as somebody who doesn't play legacy on the regular, you know, I don't really see that it affects me that badly, uh, but I know guys that do play a lot of legacy and have very expensive legacy decks. Um and I think Wizards has they got to support their own beast here. They've, they've created a beast with Legacy that they have to support one way or another. Um, and the fact that they haven't recently is kind of uh, kind of crappy, I think. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I don't know what they should do. It's, it's a very uh, it's hard. It's hard to know. It's not like Legacy has a major following. It's a really fun format. It's a great format. It's a format everybody should try at least once. But it's not going to be a format that everybody can afford to play. And, and it definitely doesn't have as huge a following as, say, you know, standard or modern or anything like that. N- oh, not, certainly not. I mean, not that it doesn't have as diehards, you know, but it's... I don't in know. Essence, in essence, I think Legacy legacy players are even more diehard because you know they're in a they are have invested heavily into a format that is kind of teetering on the knife's edge as far as you know community support like it's it's not easy you can't just walk into a local store and expect to play a round of legacy you know like even even not sanctioned just walk in and say hey does anybody else in here have a legacy deck crickets 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 Okay, I'll come back later. You know, it's just, it's not a beloved format. I mean, it is definitely beloved by the guys who've been playing Magic a long time, who have had those cards forever, who are very, very invested in it. But you don't see new people joining Magic and being like, okay, I have my choice of standard, modern, or legacy. I think I'll choose legacy. That just never happens. Oh, yeah, because Wizards pushes standard like crazy because that makes them money. Yeah, well, it's the it's the you know it's the it's the gateway drug. Standard is definitely the gateway drug to magic. Yeah, I almost find because um, before I even really got into standard, I found commander to be more of a gateway drug to start getting me into the more competitive scene because commander is more casual, but then you also have the thrill of building your deck, and then you start to see well, I don't know. I mean that that's just my experience with it and then yeah. you get, then you get into draft and then standard and you see I always I think it was I you know I came into standard before commander I came into magic before commander was a big thing like it was around but they hadn't put out like 
it was well before they'd even put out their first set of the uh, of the precon commander decks. Like before yeah. they they started backing up commander really well. Um, now commander is what I use to introduce new people to the game for sure because it's just the easiest to you know. There's not a whole lot of difficulty with deck building and stuff like that that people have to go through when it comes to commander it's like here you just you know go crazy knock yourself out everybody's got crazy decks it's fun um but you know whenever anybody's like oh i i think i'm getting kind of serious about magic i always direct them to standard first i'm like if you want to play competitive standard is where you start if you like that, maybe try modern. Uh, and if you're a you know sadist, maybe you should try legacy or vintage. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely get into vintage. Well, hell, vintage is a lot cheaper online than it is on paper. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's still pretty expensive because I think a black lotus online is like three hundred bucks, right? Yeah. Last last I saw, which that is much better than the paper route version <laughs> you mean then fifteen thousand? yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah oh that that just hurts even to say that like even to think that a piece of cardboard could be worth 15 grand is just like oh why why uh, is this a thing i'm looking on tcg player right now and the cheapest one is the unlimited version it's 3300 <laughs> Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, and there's no alpha editions, but the cheapest beta edition is 7800. Fuck, man. Jeez. And that's got to be like a played to hell version too, you know. And they say moderately played. So. Yeah, moderately played means it's been through the washing machine a couple times probably, and it's still worth $7800. Jeez, Fuck, man. <laughs> Oh, oh god crap. why was i not playing this when i was a kid fuck i know right i mean i i played during urza saga i mean i have some i don't have any of the really expensive ones from the urza set but i have some that are anywhere from the 20 to 50 dollar range but it's still you know why didn't i play before that i think when magic came out i think pogs were really popular at the time yeah dude because it was the early 90s like that's what it was about. <clears throat> I think I think that's what I was my friends and I were really into. Why didn't I fucking play Magic, man? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I could have been... only we could have seen the future. I know. God. You know, same goes for Pokémon too cuz I had some of the really rare Pokémon cards when they first first came out. Yeah, oh yeah. God. I mean, I think a lot of us did and we just didn't know what we were holding in our hands when we were kids, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. But, oh man, but as far as, God, you know, it's it's really hard because, one, I don't know the whole issue with the reserve list because from what I understand, it's it's a promise they made. It's not a it's not a legal contract or anything, right? Well, and and I'm getting a lot of this information from I believe it was limited resources or it may have been constructed resources. One of those two shows. Um, they did a whole episode dedicated to the reserve list and I'm getting a lot of my information from there as to how the reserve list began. But from what I understand, yeah, it was a promise that wizards made saying, yeah, we're just not going to do this. Um, <clears throat> and 
I think is what it came down to is that it was more like a verbal contract, but there's nothing in paper. Like there's nothing signed. There is like if they if Wizards tomorrow said, oh, the next set is going to be Alpha Two, and we're just reprinting every card from Alpha. Like nobody would have any legal um, ability to go back and uh, like sue them. You know what I'm saying? Like there's there's no actual legal reason why they can't do this. This was just like it was kind of like Wizards took a, an oath on their honor, saying we're not going to reprint these cards. Um, and I guess to them that constitutes a virtual verbal contract, but I don't know um, anything okay. about that. Yeah, so we're obviously not lawyers or anything. So <laughs> no, uh, certainly not. <laughs> but but yeah, from what end, there, there's nothing on paper. Like they they could go out tomorrow and reprint every card on the reserve list, and there wouldn't be any legal problems with that for sure. So let's say they do a a reserve list set, say you know something like Eternal Masters, and they reprint every single reserve list card. And it has. So, what do you think might happen if that if that were the case? H how badly do you think that would affect the secondary market? Well, I know for a fact we could all instantly buy into Legacy, <laughs> like just instantly. E even if they were selling a box for five hundred bucks. Oh I yeah, mean, totally. I, I would even do it. You know. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I think you'd have to be insane not to do it. But what? what people would quickly soon realize is those cards that are worth thousands and thousands of dollars would come down to, you know, probably a few hundred, like they would still be expensive, I think, but it would not be anywhere near what we see now. Certainly. A and we would all be playing legacy and be very happy about it. I'm sure for a little while, Yeah. but the, the big, like the people that would be affected the most are the guys who are the speculators, who are the collectors, guys who have spent, thousands and thousands of dollars and years and years on of their life collecting these cards and preserving them because they are never going to be printed again. And I think that wizards would lose a lot of respect with the community. There would be uh, a certain amount of trust there that would be broken. There would be certainly a lot of blowback, I think in the local game shop market, because it's not like local game shops, make a ton of money off reserve lifts cards because they just never have them. Yeah. But, but the ones that do, I mean, that's a, that's a big piece of revenue that would just go down the tubes instantly. Um, Cause you know, I mean, the minute that those cards would be announced, the price would fall. Like even, even announced, I think the price would come down just, just on the fact that there are going to be more of these that just, you know, supply and demand, you know, it's, if there's more supply, even if demand is still high, if there's more supply, your price has to come down. They're not going to be worth what they used to be worth. So I don't think it would like a lot of I've heard some people say like, oh, they can't do that because it would crash the secondary market. No, I don't think it would crash it because we still got, you know, we got three formats that are health uh, that are supplying to a healthy secondary market. But I do think that it would be. Um, there would there would be uh, some people that would suffer because of it for sure, and some stores would suffer, and I think, uh, 
legacy as a format would probably suffer if there were more people in it. Because I think I think one of the, the draws of legacy is that it's this kind of unattainable thing, you know? It's like this kind of for <coughs> excuse me. It's like this forbidden fruit that we can't really reach out and touch. Like just the guys who have been been in it the longest or have the most money can play legacy. Yeah. And I, I think it would actually be very you know, all of us would suddenly jump into legacy, and I think that might kill the format. We might just oversaturate that kind of a format with with players and with you know decks that are. I I don't, I don't know. I don't really know how I'm, I'm what I'm trying to say with that, but I don't think it would be healthy for legacy. I think it would hurt legacy even more than the reserve list already does. I don't know. It's it's hard to say because I think there'd be some people on one side be glad to see more players in legacy mm. because maybe they get tired of facing the same people over and over again. Oh, sure. Yeah. And yeah, I can see where it would definitely dilute the format because I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's just really hard to say. I mean, it, as far as going back to it, tanking the value, do you think the value of the cards would still be as harsh if all the reserve list cards got different art on them because you know like vintage masters had like all the power nine and the dual lands they'll have different art on them there it's yeah. not the same art as the because you know there are a lot of people especially collectors that care about the original art in the original card oh for I'm... sure for sure and i mean it's kind of i mean look what happened. they reprinted termagoyf and modern masters with new art and the price didn't come down the price really stayed about the same didn't it or it may have even gone up a little bit on termagoyf i can't remember but it didn't fluctuate as bad as people thought yeah uh, when they you know when they said they were reprinting termagoyf in modern masters yeah because um, the original termagoyf is about 150 while the the two reprinted ones are staying at anywhere from 110 to 120 yeah and I mean, at one point, I think they were even a little bit higher than that. Yeah. But, uh, I, you know, any time that you, I, I still think that it would, it may not tank the value if they all got new art. Like their values wouldn't just crash and burn necessarily. But I still think you would see a pretty moderate decline. Because, from the average player's perspective, you know, we're going to buy whatever version of the card is the cheaper version. Oh yeah. And, and just like they've, it, with any piece of new art, it seems like anyway, the new art is always the cheaper version. So, you know, the players are going to be buying whatever version they can get. Um, but I, I still think with increased supply and with demand coming down, the price is just going to come down new new art or old art you know I, I think that anytime that you have a reprint there is price fluctuation and it usually is downward it's not usually upward uh anytime that there's a reprint new art or not um and i haven't looked at the numbers to see how eternal masters did but i wouldn't be surprised if there was some price fluctua fluctuation on things like force of will um stuff that did get new art, but it just got, you know, there are more out there now. So the price is bound to come down. 
when I look at j just an example for Force Will, the new Force Will is actually more expensive than the old one. Oh, interesting. Wow. Yeah. I guess people like the new art better. So that's It's an... cool art. <laughs> it's yeah. really cool art on that new Force of Will. I think the difference there is, too, is that the new Force of Will is mythic. Yeah. So there's... Uh... And, and maybe that's an answer. Like, if you're going to reprint a, a reserved list card, you have to make... Well, you'd obviously have to make it mythic. Because um, that would, you know, still limit the amount that gets out there. And maybe that's the answer. Because we didn't... They didn't have mythic rarity back then. Uh, they didn't have mythic rarity for a long time. So maybe mythic rarity makes it a little bit safer to reprint some of these cards now. Maybe. Yeah, could be. Um, but I still think you would get a lot of blowback, blowback, especially from the collectors. You know, look, the, those guys are gonna are gonna rise up with pitchforks and torches <laughs> if any of the reserve list cards ever get printed. Oh yeah, it's um. <coughs> Ugh, excuse me. But then that also brings the point of what what happens when let's say overnight because you know that martin scarelli or or however you say it that that pharmaceutical yeah. guy he he's claim supposedly you know buying a black lotus and power nine and all that stuff let's say someone like him if that is true of what he he is actually doing it and not just trying to troll people and get people pissed off let's say a someone who has a shit ton of money like that doesn't doesn't give a crap about the game goes up and literally buys up every single reserve list card and there's you know there's no more dual lands left for people to buy there's you know no more power nine for people to get into vintage if you have that money so what then i mean does wizards actually do you think wizards would actually do something at that point if i i would be very surprised if they did I mean, honestly, I would be very surprised if they did. I think that they would probably, you know, kind of wag their finger at whoever did that and be like, you know, that's not very nice. But at the same time, I doubt very highly that Wizards has never really seemed all that interested in the secondary market to me. Like the reserve list was an exception. And that was just because of the infancy of magic at the time and the infancy of the secondary market. Uh, at the time when the reserve list was started. But now I, it, it seems to me that Wizards is way more concerned with the product that they are putting out and less concerned with how it's... Because it's not like Wizards is making a ton of money off the secondary market. They're really not. The yeah. people that are, that are making money off the secondary market are, are speculators and game stores and suppliers. They're the ones that are making the money on the secondary market. Wizards really has no power over the secondary market besides what they print. So I don't, I get the sense that Wizards doesn't really care all that much about the secondary market. As long as the game is healthy and as long as they're putting out a superior product that people are willing to pay money for, I feel like that's kind of all that they really care about as far as the secondary market goes. It seems like that they could care less. Otherwise, I feel like they probably would have done something about this already. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, it, it's been, you know, it, it's not just with this with this guy, Craig, uh, what's his name, who's been buying up all these cards and whatnot. Um, you know, this, this is not the beginning of the discussion with whether or not the reserve list is a healthy thing for the secondary or the secondary market in general is a healthy thing for magic. Um, 
you know, this is not the first time that we as players have had this conversation and, and Wizards has been, and Wizards people have been, you know, quoted as being well aware that the secondary market is an issue. But I just, I just don't think they care. So I would be very shocked if they did do something about it. If, if, if this got way out of control and if some person with a crazy amount of money just bought every single copy of all the dual lands you know, and started selling them at ridiculous prices or didn't sell them period or yeah, or just held them. I, I would be surprised. I I think wizards would kind of be like, you know, I think you guys kind of shot, you know, you guys let this happen. And if legacy dies, you know, legacy dies, maybe you guys should use your shock lands in legacy now. You know, it's, I, I would just, I would be very surprised. I would be shocked and surprised if they, if they injected themselves into that into that fight and maybe that's just the pessimist in me maybe maybe i'm just super pessimistic about the whole thing um but i haven't seen any evidence that wizards really cares in the past otherwise i feel like something would have already been done yeah i don't know man (laughs) it's tough i mean it, it, it is this whole this whole discussion is really hard you know, magic is magic is a pretty unique secondary market. You know, we we have cards that are worth just an obscene amount of money. I mean, I can't I, I don't know too much about like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh. I know that there is a secondary market for those cards, but they I don't think there are too many that are worth near what some magic cards are worth. You know, uh, and yeah. And then a game. If you look at a game like Hearthstone, that ha- that literally has no secondary market, has no way of trading cards, has no way of uh, of buying singles. Like everything that you do has to be earned. Or, and I think that's an advantage of having a, a, an online only product where you actually don't have to have a secondary market. But I think Magic is a very very unique animal when it comes to its secondary market. Because it's like a, it's like having a miniature stock market. I mean, magic cards. There, there are people that can devote their basically their career to speculating on the price of magic cards, just like you would speculate on the price of stocks. It's crazy. I mean, it's it's an insane, unique, cool sometimes, and then sometimes heartbreaking thing about this game is the secondary market. It's touchy. It's very touchy. Yeah, it is, man. It's, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I have too much else to say about it, except it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, well, I don't know. You, ne- you never really said what you thought about this guy, Craig, uh, doing this, this whole buyout thing. Like, what do, what do you feel about it? Do you feel like it's okay what he's doing or? I mean, there's a, there's a part of me that feels it's shitty what he's doing, yeah. but since you know it's a wide open, unregulated market, the secondary market is he 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 can do it. It's really hard to argue that he's doing something wrong. Is he? Because I'll see people. <laughs> I've seen a lot of people on Twitter saying, "Oh, what he's doing is morally wrong." But is it really? Is it really morally wrong? I mean, do, just because he may be hat people aren't able to buy into legacy. I mean, 
is that really wrong that those people didn't like i said there's the argument on one side where oh well you should have bought into legacy earlier you know it's sort of like we like i said earlier um you know it was my fault for not buying Gaia's cradles earlier than i should have you know like i said this month was going to be my first time buying one and you know now it's either i have to wait longer or just give up on it you know what i mean it's i gotta make that decision so it's like i said on one hand it i i feel shitty about it that what he's doing on the other hand when people are saying it's morally wrong it i feel like it's not because it, he he can't be, you can't stop him from doing it there's there's no rules that say you know he's not breaking any rules basically no absolutely not yeah i'm i'm in that exact same boat exact same boat uh part of me wishes that i had gotten on that sooner because i would be a very rich man right now but (laughs) yeah and it's i'm not a very especially when it comes to money i don't take risks like that you know because it's you know i don't have a lot of i don't have a lot of um spare cash like that to be able to say oh if i lose a couple grand oh well you know, it's, I, I can't do that. You know what I mean? No, not a whole lot of people can. Yeah. So I, I think that's why people are suddenly saying, oh, what this guy is doing is morally wrong. Just because they don't have the ability to do what he's doing. And yeah, it's kind of like, you know, tough. I'm, I'm sorry that you can't do what this guy is doing. I'm sorry you don't have the spare cash to be a speculator and you know, take a huge gamble because I mean, this guy is taking a huge gamble every time he speculates on a card. You you never know if the card that you're speculating, I mean, you can kind of, I think you can definitely make a very calculated risk. I don't think it's, it's like craps, but I do think it is, you know, it's gambling in a way. And it's, uh, you know, if that's what he wants to do and if he's successful at it, you know, more power to him. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm behind him in that. It does still feel scummy. Like I feel dirty thinking about what he's doing. But, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily morally wrong at all. No, and it's also, oh, how do I put it? Or I think I lost my thought, train of thought. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just. People need to put down their pitchforks and torches. You know, this guy is making a business decision for himself. And, you know, maybe maybe the way he's doing it feels kind of bad. But he is, you know, he is just taking advantage of a system that we all created. You know, we as a community created the secondary market where somebody could do something like this. And it's not... It's not, a, you know, just leave the guy alone. The guy made a, a good financial move. I bet you I bet you he is not 100% always on top of it. I, I'm sure he has made some bad investments before. That's just kind of the name of, name of the game when you're gambling away uh, on cards, you know? And if another thing I just thought of where if people are really, really not liking him and what he's doing – you know, if the magic community as a whole doesn't like him, they could easily blacklist him. Oh, where, sure. Or, oh, he's selling cards here. You know, oh, we're not going to buy from you. 
because of what you've done. Or he tries to go to tournaments and all that stuff, and all the vendors just don't buy from him. Yeah, I mean, like I said, we are the reason that the secondary market exists. If we don't like what this guy is doing, then, you know, the local stores can say, you know, we're not going to buy this product from you. Or you, as a, a Magic player, can be like, you know, I morally disagree with what you're doing. I'm not going to buy from you. You know, you can talk with your wallet, and that actually, in you know, in consequence, is going to affect the price of the card. If, if nobody, if he buys out all the copies of Guy's Cradle, and then everybody's like, well, now I just don't want to buy Guy's Cradle, the price is going to come way down on Guy's Cradle. <laughs> I mean, that's just the way it works. So, yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, I, I feel like we've talked it to death. It's just. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as I think as a community, we've all kind of talked it to death. But yeah, I mean, from my perspective, everybody put down your pitchforks. Go pick up some magic cards instead. Because they're, it's not like you can do anything about it either. Besides talk with your wallet. Oh, that's right. I wanted to bring this up too. Uh, another thing that people are getting worried about is what about because the advance of or the advancement of counterfeit cards you know mm -hmm. this is only going to make counterfeit cards that much more prominent because if people really want to play legacy you know these counterfeit cards that are coming out are look pretty damn good yeah. i actually have um i've bought some counterfeit cards before from on a website I bought, um, you know, all the Power Nine and some dual lands. And while as soon as you take a take an unsleeved card, it feels it feels fake. It does not feel like a magic card. But if right. you were, but if you double sleeve it and you just casually look at it, but don't look at it too close, you wouldn't even be able to tell. <clears throat> oh, for sure. And I think that's kind of the draw of the fake card. You know, it's like, I want to play this. I want to play this really bad. I can't afford this. I can buy this fake one that I'm going to get in huge trouble for if anybody figures it out. But, you know, if you don't get, I think a lot of people think it's worth the risk of not, because uh, if you don't get caught, your rewards can be super high, I guess, is what people think. But yeah, and you can always play dumb too. just be like, yeah. oh, I bought it from someone and I didn't know. And I mean that might that might keep you from getting the ban hammer if you if they believe you, but at the same time you're not going to get to keep your winnings. Like if you go and you win a tournament with fake cards, even if it was actually genuinely without your knowledge, like they're still going to take that win away from you. You're not going to get to keep your winnings for that because yeah. te technically you're still you're still cheating, and, and even though it might not be your fault. But I mean I could see why people would think that. You know, if people get if people get scared enough and desperate enough, I think more people would would probably try to pull pull a, a fakey, you know, just try to pull the wool over your eyes with a fake card. But I don't I don't know how many members of the community are really that desperate to play Legacy. You know? Like uh, how many people are really desperate enough to risk being banned from the game for several years to use fake cards well it's not just legacy now i mean they're they're also doing modern cards too and oh uh, yeah i mean i was just using the example of yeah 
know, from, from the cards that we've been talking about that this guy is buying up are legacy cards. Oh, yeah. No, but, I know. But it's it's just the fact that counterfeit cards are getting so good. There there are certain counterfeit cards that will pass the light test now that will pass the um, what is it? The, the light test, the bend test. Mm hmm. But it won't but it won't pass the rip test if you tear it up. Right. Um, but of course, you know, who who's really gonna want to try to do that test? You know, oh I'm gonna possibly rip up this black lotus. It may or may not be real. <laughs> yeah, I don't know of too many even judges that would really <laughs> uh apply the rip test <laughs> to a, a guy's card because they think it's fake. But Yeah. But yeah, it, I think that's that's in a, a technology thing too, is just that as technology gets better and as people get better at faking cards like we're gonna see more of them i mean that's just a that's just a thing it's gonna get to a point where someone's gonna figure out the exact type of printer and ink and you know stock of paper that wizards uses exactly i mean i i don't know maybe, maybe that's a secret for what wizard uses to make magic cards maybe they don't let that out but from the, what i from what i understand they don't let that out yeah, but, just for this exact reason. Yeah, but let I, I can easily see it getting leaked out one day. Like, hey, let's say someone who does it leaks it out and gets paid quite a bit sum of money, but of course they'd get sued, yada yada yada. Um, but let's just say it does get leaked out. It, it's gonna get to a point to where you're not gonna be able to tell. And what what do you do then? You know, it's a good question, and it's a, it's a scary scary thought like like how are we really going to how how far is wizards going to go i guess to make sure that fake cards are not set loose upon the system like is it going to get to the point where we have to have a special division that all they do is investigate fake cards and break up printing rings and stuff like that <laughs> like like how 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 bad is it really going to get they have their I own secret know. force. That that's all I could picture is like an Elliot Ness for magic cards, basically. Like oh, a... that'd be funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. It's they're I'm looking at the reserve list, like, oh my gosh, they they perfected um elephant graveyard. We've got it we've got to stop these printing rings. We can't let more <laughs> elephant graveyards get loose out in the wild. Oh jeez. <laughs> Uh, or yeah, all I'm... all these anti cards are getting too good. Oh lord. <laughs> Not like, the anti cards. Like demonic attorney. Oh no. But no, it's like I said it's going to get to a point and I can probably guess in the next 5 years you're it's going to be it's going to be even harder to tell than it is now. Oh for sure. Yeah. And yeah. like I said just the fake cards that I have I mean, yeah, you can pick it up and you feel it, but like I said, you double sleeve it and you casually, just casually look at it. Like if I were to play a, play across from you, you wouldn't be able to tell it's fake. No, and and I think that, you know, I think the average Magic player too, especially the newer ones, like newer players are not going to be able to tell the difference. Oh no, and and that's where I think counterfeiters are going to. You know, counterfeiters don't really make counterfeit cards for their own purposes to play the game of Magic. No. Um, the people, I, I've I've known a guy who got busted for counterfeiting before, and he made counterfeit cards because, you know, he 
wanted to make a lot of money. He made them and sold them to new players, you know? And that's that's why he made counterfeit cards, is he wanted to sell See, these cards to new players. Oh, that that's scummy as hell. Oh yeah, no, it was it's terrible. It's a horrible thing, and I'm glad he got caught. Yeah. But it's just it's just you know, like I think that's where the problem is going to be, is when we see these cards popping up, it is genuinely going to be because yeah. oh, I I bought this from some guy on the internet who said it was real. I don't know the difference. I'm brand new. This is my first major tournament, you know. And he just he had a really good deal on these cards and yeah, that see that's shitty that selling the fake cards like that. I only bought my fake cards just to play because I wanna. I, I wanted to make a casual deck with just a casual vintage deck with a power nine just yeah. to, just to play it because you know I'm in reality I'm never gonna buy the power nine at all so you know and and it's funny that you know we consider it cheating when someone uses fake cards that look extremely real let's say someone wins like an IQ or PPTQ you know they didn't T technically they did cheat because they used fake cards but they still had to use their own skill to get there yeah which it... i mean it's i i hate to say that it, it's it, it's still cheating because yeah. they didn't like i think the reason it's still cheating is because they still they they took they cut corners to get to like if they didn't have those cards they couldn't have played the tournament to begin with and then it, it doesn't matter how good you are at this game. If you don't have cards, you can't play. You know, So it, it is kind of still cheating if it's like, well, I'm just going to make my own cards so I can play. I'm the best Magic player there's ever been skill-wise. I just don't have the actual cards, so I'm just going to make fake ones. Well, no, 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 that's still cheating. It's just, yeah, no, it, it's gross. It, it, the whole idea is just gross. But I don't know. Yeah. So, how bad, or, you know, hold on, let me take a look at this card first, how expensive it is, before I, before we talk about it. Okay. Hold on, where is it? How expensive is it? Come on. Oh, okay, so it's about a $50 card. How pissed off do you think people would be if they reprinted Shaharazad? Or Sh Shahrazad. I don't even know what that card does. All right. <laughs> All right. So, hold on. Let me get the Oracle text because the actual, it's one of those old Arabian Nights cards where it's like five paragraphs long. Oh, geez. Okay. Well, let me get the Gatherer. Okay. Players play a magic sub game using their libraries as their deck. Each player who doesn't win the sub game loses half his or her life rounded up. So, I mean, it, it's obviously a banned card in Legacy, and I think it's restricted in Vintage. Because, I mean, it, it just makes games go on way too long. So let me, let me see if I understand. It's like, basically, you, you're in the middle of a game, and then somebody plays this card... And so then you take what's in your library right now and you play a game within a game to yep. see whose life total becomes half rounded down. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Can you imagine draft back then? Oh, no. That sounds horrible. 
Well, you, you know what we need to do? We need to do a draft of Arabian Nights and just pray someone drafts this card. Oh, I would. I would do it. I oh. would be I would be that guy that would do it. <laughs> and I would feel so bad about it. But at the same time, I'd be like, you know what? You can either play against me and our match is going to take three hours or you can just leave. Right. Or you could just scoop to me right now. Those are your two choices. <laughs> that is horrible. Oh, I hope that never, ever, ever, ever that whole idea never sees the light of day. And whoever came up with that idea is a horrible person. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, we, we could talk about some of these freaking cards that just like, say would that, that card, I, I can't see many people getting pissed off if they reprinted that card. Yeah. It would, well, it would plummet the price cause it's 50 bucks, but it's, I think people would be pissed off if they reprinted that card for other reasons than just the value of it. <laughs> just because of the fact that it's a horrible thing that should not exist. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there there are, you know, like, like we said before, there are cards that are on the reserve list that most people, even if they are more expensive than your average bulk rare, are still bulk rares when it comes to the reserve list you know there are cards that will never ever ever see play in any format even though they're reserved just because a card is reserved doesn't make it good and it doesn't make it like an, an insta worth lots of money card yeah pretty much i'm just taking a look at some random cards and it's just i'm just saying like as ah, this, this wouldn't break anything if it was reprinted you know, but well, it is what it is. Hashtag bring back chaos orb. Yes. <laughs> Wait, no, it's chaos confetti. One where you rip it up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Chaos confetti was the, uh, the was unglued, unglued one. one yeah. Where you have to rip it up and throw it. No, but that was the parody on chaos orb, right? Yeah. Chaos orb. It's you flip it in the air and whatever it lands on. Yeah. It gets destroyed. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I, I love, I know that they're like, yeah, we're never reprinting any cards that require you to do any kind of physical manipulation in order to gain <laughs> advantage. And I'm like, okay, great. So you're basically just telling Magic players, yeah, we're never going to make you do any form of exercise, even if it's flipping a card in the air and letting it land on the table. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love that whole idea. I'm sorry, but I just really do. <laughs> Oh, I love I, I love coin tosses. It's it's it, there's something just the kind of blowout stories that you get both ways with those coin toss type cards. Oh, I love it. Okay, well, I I just found a reserve list card. This would break every format if it got reprinted. Uh, Sor Soraya Sor the Falconer. All Falcons get plus one plus one. Target Falcon gains banding until end of turn. Oh, it, oh, oh, just, no. Yeah. The end of the end of magic. Yeah, it, it would just break it. All of the my Falcon tribal deck would be unstoppable. You know, they, they should really reprint branding or banding. I mean, if they if they would ever want to make people quit magic, that's how you that's what you do. Yeah, shut your dirty mouth. Don't let them ever rebound. <laughs> <bring back laughs> <banding. laughs> no oh that i think the worst i think it would not only i think it would probably piss off judges more than anything oh, if sure. they reprinted it because no one would understand what the hell it does no 
no, absolutely not. And and all judges would immediately quit and run away for the rest of their lives. And and nobody would ever want to become a judge ever again. Yeah, so if people don't know what banding does, if I it, okay, I'm probably getting this wrong, but from what I remember, remember if you have a creature that says bands with others or has banding, um, I think when you attack that creature like say you have three creatures and they all have banding or bands with others. They all attack as just one creature, I think. Right. So I mean, if, if you block one of them, they're all blocked, but I, but you, the player, because it, it, cause instead of usually your opponent deciding where the damage goes, I think you, the player decides where the damage is dealt. That's exactly right. I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at it right on, um, on the judge site here. And basically yeah, you you got it exactly right. Holy shit, it, I did that from memory. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't like and and the big thing is that a lot of people forget is that when a card is banded together, they don't share abilities. So it's not like, you know, heaven forbid, I don't even think there is a banding card that had like a keyword like lifelink or something like that, but or or let's just say one of them has flying. It if you band with another creature, it's not going to give the rest of your creatures flying. It doesn't give them yeah. all the abilities. It's just it's only they only do stuff in regards to attacking and blocking when it's when it's banded, which is probably one of the most confusing things ever, <laughs> just in general. Yeah, I'm still planning on building that banding EDH general that Aisha Tanaka one day I'll do it. Oh, my God. <laughs> and. Just to get everybody in the table completely confused, especially some new players, because I actually played one quick game of EDH today and I played I, I I played a pretty mean deck. I probably should know, but it was the only deck I had on me. It was my crew fix deck. Oh, yeah, where I actually had the ability to cast Ulamog by turn six, I think, because I just gotten crew fix out and then I had I ramped up a bunch earlier and. That's gross. So, You're, that that's a horrible thing to do to somebody. <laughs> I know. I, I actually held off because everybody started seeing me as a threat, even though I didn't have anything. But I had like thirty mana saved up, so I'm just like, all right, guys. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I put Ugin out. I wipe everybody's board, and then I put Ulamog out. And whatever I didn't wipe with Ugin, it's now gone. <laughs> yeah, everybody. Everybody just basically flips the table and walks away at this point. I, d I did have two people quit because they just got mad. I'm like, oh, God, you guys are baby back bitches. Stop it. <laughs> God. See, that's one thing I never understood. It's, well, I think I've said this before. EDH to me is just a very casual, I don't give a shit if I win or lose type format. Oh, yeah, for sure. And and most people view it that way. Now, there are some, you know, sadists out there that play competitive EDH. And I don't understand why they do it because competitive EDH sounds horrible to me um it just sounds like a nightmare arena where everybody's going off on turn three with infinite combos and winning the game um, it's basically um vintage singleton vintage yeah at yeah at, at that point you know uh, that that sounds terrible to me if i'm gonna play vintage i'd rather just play vintage and not yeah at singleton but uh but yeah no commander has has always been the same for me as well it's just it's something fun that you do with your friends and it's the best format to play when you're drunk oh sure. yeah definitely <laughs> i only have two commander decks that are 
quote unquote competitive. I mean, they're not like turn three kills, but they can usually win games if I really want them to. Yeah. It's my Aloro deck and Crufix are the only all, all my other EDH decks. Like I have Nin the Pain Artist, I have the God deck, mm-hmm. um, I have my Red White Allies deck. It's those are just I built them because they were fun to they're fun to play. Yeah, I'm working. I'm working on, and the only reason I'm working on it is because I have a buddy who's really into competitive EDH. So I'm working on a Zer the Enchanter deck uh, that would be competitive. Oh, geez, Zer. Yeah, yeah, I am that kind of person. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, all the rest of my EDH decks are just casual for funsies. I have a Sadisi uh, deck that's a lot of fun. Um, that's just basically all the best reanimation stuff that I could find plus Sadisi. And it's a uh, it's it's a blast to play that deck. And then uh, Nekazar the Mind Razor with just I don't I don't even think I have any ways of dealing direct damage with that deck. It's just like Nekazar and every possible way to draw cards that there could possibly be. Oh and man, Reliquary Tower. <laughs> yeah, one of my one of my friends has a Nekazar deck. I do not like playing it. It's his only EDH deck. Uh, and he's made it like the most miserable deck. Oh yeah, no, to it's play just against. a total it's a total grind fest. That's all it is. It's like we're going to say get comfortable. We're going to be here for about 4 hours and I'm going to draw 600 cards. Don't ask me how I did that cuz there's only 100 cards in my deck, but I drew 600 cards this game. Oh, well, you see yours sounds a lot more nicer than his. His is just oh, uh, you're dead by turn 7 or 8. Like, oh wow! Oh, yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't build it that way. I built it on purpose to be just the dirtiest deck. Yeah, his is not dir- possibly be dirtily. It's I'm gonna get a bunch of shit out, and I'm gonna make you draw. But every time you draw, you're gonna take you know five damage or some shit. Like oh jeez, oh god. <laughs> I mean, I I can't. I don't remember all the cards, but it's just basically. Oh, and God forbid he gets the fuck what is it the one enchantment where instead of because it's nekusar that deals the damage when you what draw a card right right he has that one enchantment where instead of it doing combat damage it does infect damage so oh yeah uh, so yeah he, he'll get he'll get that out you know get nekusar out get that infect enchantment and make everybody draw a bunch of cards and boom dead you're like oh awesome great well <laughs> I mean that sounds incredibly mean, but I, I may or may not be buying that card right now and sliding in it. To that <laughs> oh, dude! If I was an Ekasar player, I would do it. Like hell yeah, man! Yeah. Dude. I didn't even think of that, but holy crap! Yeah, dude, I don't know the name of the enchantment. I think it's a black one. I'm gonna have to find it now because yeah. I, I mean, there are a lot of enchantments that I think grant in fact or something close to it. But I'm gonna find it and I'm gonna. Oh yeah. I'm so. Gonna that in there so let's talk some eldritch moon spoilers yeah do do you have the um full spoiler up i do i've got it pulled up right here all right so the first card i want to talk about that i'm actually really excited about and it's for modern uses it is a white card one in a white repel the abominable okay go ahead and read that one off i'm scrolling up to it right now it is an instant it you like i said it costs one in a white so it's an instant. It prevents all damage that we would be dealt this turn by non-human sources. Interesting. Okay, so it's like a it's like a a fog for everything that's not human. Yes. So the one use I see this being great for is for my Coco Elves deck. 
because one of the big weaknesses of elves because elves every time i've played elves i usually win game one if i'm on if i'm on the play mm-hmm. and because you know you just overwhelm them by you get a crap ton of creatures out by turn two three and then you usually have a zuri out by turn four and you just pump them up and that you kill you kill the people you the opponent i mean and so games two and three are usually they're they're prepared for board wipes they're prepared for you to get a crap ton of cards out and then wipe your board and just keep you on that you know keep wiping your board so you're you're always behind game especially with jund jund is very good at doing that and affinity as well um so the one thing I like with this card is if they try to wipe your board with, you know, was it pyroclasm or or engineered explosives or something, you know, you could play this card and prevent that damage. Yep. And it's an easy way to do that. Yeah, and that's a that's a cool observation that I think a lot of people will miss is that, you know, especially in modern, there aren't, you know, from from my knowledge of the format and from the bit that I've played of it, there aren't any like true sweepers that see a lot of play, right? Like nobody's playing like wrath of God or day of judgment anymore. It's like, if they're going to play a sweeper, it's a damage dealing sweeper, right? Like pyroclasm. Uh, I think whip flare was possible, was popular for a little while, obviously engineered explosives, stuff yeah, like that. Whip flare still sees play. I think does it. Okay. Maybe. So yeah, this would complete. I mean, that's this is basically a counter spell for that, or or damnation too. Oh yeah, damnation. But yeah. Uh, this, I mean, well, this wouldn't help against damnation, but it would it would help against. Oh, you're right because it just just that says destroy. It doesn't yeah. do damage. It just des- so, it yeah. just says destroy. But but you know, damnation is the only one that's really seeing play. I haven't seen anybody play day day of judgment or wrath of God. So. You know, with everybody playing like Anger of the Gods, Pyroclasm, Whip Flare, Engineered Explosives. I mean, this is a counter spell for that. I mean, that's that's pretty cool. I could I could see it seeing some seeing some play for sure. Yeah, I could see putting no more than two in a sideboard. Oh, I don't think you'd want a whole yeah. bunch of these, but I could see I could see it. Yeah. Yeah, so that's one card I'm really excited about. Is the, what? What's your first card you can think of that you're really excited about for whatever format? Uh, well, I think we stay right in white for that, and just scroll down just a couple of places because uh, I want to talk about the new Thalia. Uh, Thalia oh, Heretic Cathar. She is two and a white for a three-two with first strike, and she says creatures and non-basic lands your opponents control enter the battlefield tap. I mean, <clears throat> as if as if white as if green white tokens didn't need another card. Like here you go, here's a here's a three drop that basically stalls out the game. Um, so I think this card is going to see a ton of play, and and I'm interested in it because uh, green white hate bears has been a deck that I've been playing in modern, and I think she slides right into that as well. Can you get her out by turn two with green white hate bears? Uh, no. Maybe, because does Green White Hate Bears play Noble Hierarch or anything? Or it birds? plays it plays birds. I play okay. birds in my version, um, but I don't. There aren't a whole lot of versions that play ramp. Um, 
because it's mostly okay. i mean most of your creatures are are i mean your curve pretty much tops out at three with hate bears anyway uh i think loxodon smiter is really one of the more expensive cards in that deck and that's a three drop uh or guilt leaf winnower is another one that is a little bit uh okay. that's just hate against uh discard but Dahlia, I think, would slide right in there. And, I mean, she does exactly what you want to do, which is slow down your opponent and make it harder for them to play things. Yeah, um, it... I mean, it being at a 3-2, it'll die easily to, like, Lightning Bolt. But if it survives just a turn or two, since the majority of lands that are played in Modern are non-basic, yeah. you're... <laughs> you're screwing them up already. So they need, oh, yeah. to, they need, to, they need to get rid of that fast. Yeah, it's going to be, I mean, it, it is a lightning, I mean, it is a lightning rod for sure. Yeah. Uh, it's going to draw out every lightning bolt, every piece of removal your opponent has, but that's one more piece of removal that they don't have then for like your, uh, your Gadag Teague or something like that, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, I like it. I like this card a lot. I think it's going to see a lot of play in both standard and modern, especially if green and white stays powerful in standard. I think she's at least a, a couple copies of in those decks, maybe in the sideboards. Uh, but she seems too good to not see some play somewhere. Yeah, I can see her fitting better in standard for right now. I mean, because gee, even Sylvan Advocates come in tapped. Shit. Yeah, your Sylvan their Sylvan Advocates come in tapped. Uh, all of their... I mean, if they are playing any non-basics, all of those are going to come in tapped. Uh, it says creatures in general, right? So yeah, even their t even like think about it this way: even their token off of their Gideon is going to come into play tapped with Thalia on the battlefield. Jeez, I mean that's just <laughs> I mean that's that's bonkers. So I mean, you know, white white humans, I think their curve pretty much tops out at three or four. So I could see Thalia there. I could see Thalia in the green white tokens deck. I could see Thalia in the red white humans deck. You know, I think she's going to be everywhere. This this is a card that I would throw my throw my hat in for right now. Yeah, the one good thing about Thalia, I think she's the buy a box promo right now. If you buy, I think so. Yeah. Have you bought any? Are you going to buy any booster boxes? I usually get at least one, um, so I will probably invest in at least one. But yeah. uh, I haven't yet, <laughs> but I probably will. I, I typically get at least one at the beginning just so that I have a good smattering of all the cards in the format. Yeah. Um, but if there's a card that I'm for sure going to use in Constructed, I'll usually just buy the singles that I need from that and move on. Um, but this set looks cool enough that I'm going to want at least a box, maybe two. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's I, I'm bad. I already got two boxes. Look at you. I know. it's <laughs> uh, Like I said, even though it's a small set, I'm more excited about this than than um, than Shadows. And did you hear my one episode where I was building decks just by opening a pack? Yeah. Uh, it's, um, I'm definitely going to do an episode with Eldritch Moon doing the same thing. Oh, and, that'll be sweet. You know, it, it'd also be kind of cool to have you on for that, too. Just, um, you know you you have your own pack or something or are i i have the pack and we just both try to think of a deck standard deck i'm but down with that i i only i only want to do standard i don't want to do modern or legacy because that's just too many no that will, <laughs> that will that will hurt my brains 
it'll take us, you know, an hour just for one card. Oh yeah. <laughs> to try to come up with a deck. That's that's why I'm sticking with just standard when I do this thing. Well, I mean, it was a really cool episode to listen to when you did it the first time, and I would be more than honored to come on and do it with you if you do do it for Eldritch Moon, because uh, this one's going to be a lot of fun, I think. There's a lot of cool build-around maze here. Oh, yeah. Possibly get our hands on. And it's just a fun exercise in deck building, too. I mean, it, oh, it yeah. really makes you think, and it's. I, I was even getting excited for some of the decks, like, oh, my God, I could do this, I could do that. It's it's going to be terrible, but it could be awesome, you know? <laughs> oh, I love that. I, anytime that you're deck building and the phrase, this is terrible, but it could be awesome, comes across, <laughs> that's when you know you're on to something, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, so let me see some other cards here. You know, is there any other white cards before? I mean, I think we need to talk about the the two white cards that are going to... I don't know how big of an effect on Constructed it'll have, but it's definitely raised the most eyebrows, are uh, uh, Bruna and Gisela. Oh, hold on, let me pull that up. I think we need to at least touch on the fact uh, this, I mean, and this is the first like really cool. Mel this is the first time we're going to see meld here too. Oh geez, if someone manages to draft, not sealed, but draft this, oh man, it's just going to be. It's not going to be. I'll tell you, it's not going to be impossible. I mean, they're yeah, one of them's a mythic, but one of them's. It's not like they're both mythics. Yeah, it, it might happen. <laughs> Oh, can you can you imagine this? You know, your pack one is Gisela, pack two is Bruna, pack three is Avison. Oh, and then I just fall <laughs> on the ground and have an orgasm. <laughs> I mean, that's or yeah. or your opponent gets that, and you just be like, "Well, yeah." At that point, I would uh, just be like, "You know what? You did it, dude. You broke magic. Congratulations." I'm gonna I, go cry in the corner now. I I don't even think I would be mad at my opponent. I'd be like holy fuck that's awesome yeah i would be like i got to see this happen wait can we just go back like four turns and you do this again because i want to see it happen again yeah that's one thing i never understood like people getting mad at what people's other pulls are especially with drafting i'm like it's it's completely random you have no choice of what you're getting yeah you know? I, well draft is a little less random than you know like sealed is and I think, oh yeah, yeah. And people, I think people just get kind of salty about you know the RNG of what they open, which you know what, that's not anybody's fault, dude. You can't get mad when you open a pack and it's like, oh, well, my buddy over there opened a mythic rare and I opened this uh, Triskaidekaphobia. Yeah. You know, it's like you know that's that's the beats. That's that's what RNG is. Yep, or he opened up four Hedron Alignments, and then he built the Hedron Alignment deck and proceeded to win. Did you actually see that happen? No, no, but it would be... I, I wish... I, every time I did... what That came on Oath of the Gatewatch, right? Yeah. I tried so hard. Every time it would <laughs> be passed to me, I would take it in draft. Of course, the most I ever ended up with was, I think, two or three, but I never ended up putting it in my deck anyway. Oh, man. But it was just, I, I remember trying so hard each time <laughs> to try to get four of them, but it never happened. I wanted so bad to see that happen just once. I never tried to do it myself, but I knew, I, I did know that there were a couple guys in my shop that would, like, really try to force it. But I, don't, I never, 
I never heard if they actually did it, and I never saw it happen, but I always wanted to see it happen. Yeah, it sucked. But, <laughs> but as far as Gisela and Bruna go, Gisela reads, it's too colorless and too white. It has flying first strike and lifelink. So right away, holy crap. Yeah, we're uh, talking we're talking nearly Baneslayer level of power there. Yeah. So it says at the beginning of your end step, if you both own and control Gisela the Broken Blade and a creature named Bruna the Fading Light, exile them and then meld them into Brasilla Voice of Nightmares. You want to read what Bruna does? Sure. Uh Bruna. Let me get back up to her here. Bruna the Fading Light is uh five white white for a five seven. And when you cast Bruna the Fading Light, you may return target angel or human creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. And she also has flying and vigilance and meld with Giselle of the Broken Blade. Um, and let me just say, if you cast Bruna and you don't return Gisela to the battlefield, you're doing it wrong. But that's a that's a cool little interaction that they can do with each other. Oh, yeah. And then so they meld into the art for this is awesome by the way it i want this blown up on my wall this is crazy art it's very very neon genesis yeah exactly and that that's what really draws me to it so they meld into brazella voice of nightmares and i have to read this sort of sideways on the wizard site so it's flying first strike vigilance and lifelink your opponents can't cast spells with converted mana cost three or less, and it's a nine ten. So it's not. <laughs> the good thing is it's not indestructible. No, so. no. This this thing can still, you know, it, it's going to have the classic argument of dies to X, you know, dies to X removal spell. But you know, the fact that your opponent can't cast spells with converted mana cost three or less. You know, I was thinking the other day, like, how many removal spells are there that actually cost more than three? There there aren't that many. Like, a lot of the best removal spells that we can all think of are going to be two to three mana. So I think that it's going to feel a lot like Brazella is indestructible sometimes because you're just going to have a handful of Declaration in Stones and Constructed and be like, huh, I can't kill that. But... I'm I'm really fascinated by Meld, how this mechanic is going to work. It, it seems so cool. Yeah, man, it's um, like I said, I it's it's going to be awesome seeing someone get these two cards because it's going to happen. Yeah, it's going to happen. And you can only hope that it's you that gets it. But you know, it, even if it isn't, it's going to be awesome to see it. Um, the one thing I'm looking at some black cards right now just to see what kills it. I mean, murder doesn't kill it, but there's there's the one. Oh, where is it? Certain death. It costs five and a black. Destroy target creature. That'll kill it. Its controller loses two life, and you gain two life. But it's a sorcery speed. That's what sucks. Yeah. So um, you're gonna you might take a hit or something like that from it before you. Uh, yeah. To kill it. So, I mean, six mana is pretty hefty, but for limited, that's not too bad. Yeah, I mean, six is probably at the very top end of what I consider to be a playable piece of removal. Um, will I play, Will I pay six mana to kill a creature? Yes, I've done it before and been very happy about it. Oh, yeah. But, but at the same time, it's like, 
when you're when you're sitting there about to die on turn five and you just see that that six that six mana kill spell in your hand and be like, why couldn't you have been three mana? It it it's not a feel good moment. But I oh, think no. I think more people are gonna feel good about the fact that they have they uh, there is a way to kill something like Gisela. I mean Brazella. Oh man. Alright, so I just thought of like the worst like cards you could get. You know, you get Gazella, Bruna, Avison, and then someone passes you a Westvale Abbey also. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as we're in magical Christmas land. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, I didn't tell you last night someone passed me a declaration in stone. Uh I hope that you all took that person out behind the woodshed and shot them. Well, I I forget who I can't remember if it was to my left or right. I think it I can't remember which pack it was, but I remember asking them like after draft like you know you passed this to me, right? And he said it was a really hard decision because he wasn't playing white at the time. So it had to have been like pack 2 or something. Did he tell you what he took over it? Yeah, he did tell me. I don't remember what it was, but it fit perfectly with his colors. It wouldn't have done anything, but Okay. I mean, I definitely played Declaration of Stone. It saved my ass many times last night. Yeah, Declaration and, in Stone is is a powerful enough piece of removal that I will I will take it just to hate draft it out of the out of the out of the pack, even oh, yeah. if I'm not white. Plus, it's it's, just, it's, it's decent. Too powerful. It's a decent amount of money too. I think it's like five or six bucks. Yeah, yeah, it's a money rare. But I mean, just looking at it from the from the draft perspective if i'm not playing white i'm still taking it and i may be splashing just for it oh yeah it is just that good yeah i'm trying to see any other white cards um they have the collected company for planeswalkers now <laughs> yeah i saw that and and i know i know at least one guy at my local shop here's looking at you conrad he's going to be <laughs> building with this with this card because he's been you know he's one of those guys that always tries to build the super friends deck and, oh, this uh, is perfect for it. Yeah, this is like, I and I know he's got a commander deck that this is going right into immediately because it's a Super Friends commander deck. Um, but yeah, you could go ahead and read that one off. That's Deploy the Gatewatch, right? Yeah, so it's Deploy the Gatewatch, four colorless, two white. Look at the top seven cards of your library. Put up to two Planeswalker cards from among them onto the battlefield. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So yeah, it's basically collected company for planeswalkers, and people are gonna make super friends decks off of this. And I, I can see shit. It also be kind of cool. A lot of the oaths would be good as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean oath of Nissa definitely. Oath of Nissa for sure. I think oath of uh, I'm which we may get to here eventually. Oath of Liliana is pretty good. Um. Oath of Chandra, I think, is pretty good. You know, there are there are oaths that are are very good if you actually do have a buttload of planeswalkers in your deck, and being able to just grab two and throw them onto the battlefield right away for six mana, um, yeah, that's pretty that's pretty stupid powerful. <laughs> that's really stupid powerful. You know, I'm surprised. I mean, I know Red Burn is kind of shit right now, but I'm surprised no one ever tried to make a Red Burn deck with for Oath of Chandra's because it's basically lightning strike. Yeah, I think it's just the fact that it's... It's only target creature, though. That's the downside. Yeah. But it's... I mean, when since we're playing such... A... I think it's like when you're, when you're building a burn deck, 
you know, you want your burn. The reason why you build a burn deck is because your burn can go face. Yeah. And since that card can only hit creatures, like, yeah, it's a fine card. And, and I really do think it deserves a lot more respect than it got. It was a hell of a card in limited for sure. Oh, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I, you know, for the, from the burn aspect of it, I can see why it didn't see play just because it can't go face. And that's that's the first thing that a burn player is going to look at when evaluating a red a red uh, a red spell is can this go face, and if it can't, then move it on. But yeah, I, sadly, I, I think that that's what killed it was that it couldn't go face. True, but yeah, I definitely see deploy the gate watch for super friends deck and everybody using. Heck, you can make a deck with all the oaths. Definitely oath of Nissa. Um, crap. Hold on. What did the other ones do? I forget. Uh, Oath of Gideon is put a couple dudes into play. I think it is one like one one dudes. Yeah, two one one ally tokens. Um. Oh, and, and each then, planeswalker enters with an additional loyalty counting counter on it. Yeah, and then uh, Oath of Jace is garbage, from what I can remember. Yeah, draw three cards, discard two cards, then you scry, depending on how many planeswalkers you control. That shit. Yeah, that is just hot garbage. Uh, Oath of Liliana seems pretty good, which is actually one that we could talk about it from Eldritch Moon. Sure. Uh, uh, Oath, of Cha- uh, Oath of Liliana, two and, two and a black. Uh, legendary enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, each opponent sacrifices a creature. Love it already. And at the beginning of each instep, if you... Uh, if a player, if a planeswalker entered the battlefield under your control this turn, put a two-two black zombie creature token onto the battlefield. So, I think it's very good for its first ability, and the second ability is pretty much shit. Um Because yeah. the planeswalker had to have entered the battlefield for you to get the two-two black zombie, which which is fine. I mean, and, and if you're playing like a black-white super friends deck, and you, you know. You play Deploy the Gatewatch, and you already have an Oath Liliana in play, and you drop a Soren and a Gideon on the battlefield. Well, holy crap, you know. <laughs> but uh, but the but the edict effect, edicts are always good in one way, shape, or another. And having a having an edict is always a good thing to have. So I could see Oath Liliana seeing some play. Oh, I mean, I would definitely pick this in draft too. It's, oh yeah, it's. I mean. It's a perfect removal. I mean, of course, it comes with the downside that you don't get to decide what creature they sacrifice. Yes. But it's still, if they have one big creature out in play, boom, it's gone. Yeah. You know, oh, look, they got an Emrakul out in play, boom, it's gone. And and that's the advantage and disadvantage that comes with an Edict effect. It's like, yeah, you're giving your opponent the choice unless they don't have a choice. Yeah. And uh, that's that's when Edicts are really good. Yeah, man, so since we're on the Liliana... Oh, read the flavor text for that card. I love the flavor text for that card. On Oath? Yeah. I'll keep watch. Happy now. <laughs> That's I love great. it. I love it. <laughs> it's very Liliana. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, you know what? Um, I don't... Do you, do you follow the magic story pretty well, or... Hmm? The, the magic story, like, of, like, what goes on in the... Uh-oh. Did I lose you? Uh oh, can you hear me? Uh oh. Uh oh. So, 
I don't know if Alec is back oh, with us or there we go. Oh, there I you can go. Hear you again. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you dropped off for a second, then came back on. That was weird. Yeah. So, um, so do you follow the magic story pretty well? Like or, the, or at least uh... know of it. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. So, last I, re- I'm surprised that they didn't me- make mention of this unless. Unless I'm just not familiar with the story, but I thought Garrick was on Innistrad still, or did he leave it? He, I think he left, from what I understand, when he was, or he may still be there. I don't actually know. That's a good question. Because I because... thought he, he he basically became corrupt by Liliana, and then M15 was basically about him going and killing other planeswalkers, but I thought he was still on Innistrad, though. I th- think he may have left. Because, I mean, after he got corrupted by Liliana, he basically went to go kill other planeswalkers and not... Because before, he was trying to kill Liliana. Um, and I think after his corruption, he may have left. Because Liliana was obviously still on Innistrad. She's been on Innistrad this whole time. Yeah. Um, so I think he may have vamoosed to go kill other planeswalkers somewhere else. But that's a good question. I haven't seen any mention of him being around. And I feel like if he was still around, he would be taking part just because him and Liliana have are so tied story wise. So she's Oh, he, he did end up leaving. I'm reading it now. Okay. Yeah, I thought it, it would make sense that he took off, but I can't remember where he went to. He said he went to Chandelar. Okay. Um, shit, which Chandelier? Was that sound familiar? Mm. Oh, it's from the Magic Computer game. I don't think there's been an actual set in Chandelier. Has there? I don't think it so. Doesn't, it doesn't ring a bell. If there has been, I don't know. Oh, oh well, whatever. But yeah, I, I thought he was still on there at first. That's why I thought, oh, cool, we're going to see Garrick too at one point. But no, we're not that lucky. Nope. Not yet. Eventually we'll see Garrick again, which I hope, because he's actually one of my favorite planeswalkers of all time. But yeah, him he, and yeah, he he's I've really liked him. He's not one of my top favorites, but I've always liked his cards though. Yeah. He's always had good cards, or for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um so the speaking of Liliana, Liliana the Last Hope Planeswalker card, that one I don't I don't know how to evaluate it. It on some hands it seems good. It's one colorless and two black. It starts with three loyalty counters. Her plus one is up to one target creature, gets minus two, minus one until your next turn, which that's not bad. No. That's that's actually right where you want to be because in a way she kind of protects herself. Yeah, so that's good. Her negative two put the top two cards of your library into your graveyard, then you may return a creature card from your graveyard to your hand, which, I mean, that's not bad. I mean, unless delirium becomes more of a thing, in, or there's more graveyard interaction that people come up with, I can see that being good. Um, and then her negative seven, her ultimate, you get an emblem with at the beginning of your end step, put X2-2 black zombie creature tokens onto the battlefield, where X is 2 plus the number of zombies you control. That's just insane right there, if you yeah, manage to get that good. high. I mean, you're probably never ulting Liliana, and if you do, then something has gone horribly wrong to your opponent on the other side of the table. 
um, that they actually allowed you to ultimate Liliana. Um, but I think I, I have a gut feeling she's going to be good. And the only reason why is is just going off the history of three-mana Liliana's that we got, because this is a three-mana Planeswalker. She's one black-black for a three-loyalty, three-mana Planeswalker. Uh, you know, they've just always found a way to be super relevant and super powerful when they're low-costed like this. So I, I could see her seeing some play. I don't really know where she fits, and that minus two ability definitely feels like she would fit into like a delirium or some kind of a graveyard centric deck. Um, but it's also kind of a, I mean, a tempo play, right? Cause you're, you're obviously probably not minusing two as soon as you play her. Cause yeah. you're going to want to have mana available for the creature that you're bringing back. So what I, what I can probably see is playing her on tier three, plusing her, and then maybe at the beginning of my turn, you know, the first thing I do on my first main phase, minus two, drop two cards in, get a creature that would be on curve, and then play my on curve creature. You know, something like that. So I, I don't really know where she fits, but I, I always, anytime I see a three mana Lily, it always raises my eyebrow a little bit. Yeah, we'll have to, I guess, just wait and see and have with people that know magic better than us obviously <laughs> we'll figure <laughs> something out yeah I, I like i said I, I would not be surprised if she saw some play i just don't think she has a home exactly right now maybe um maybe she slides into that green black uh the green black deck the seasons past deck Could uh, be. just because that deck does like its graveyard it loves its graveyard so maybe maybe I don't know. We'll have to see on her. Yeah. So there's some so there's some blue cards there that are looking pretty good. Oh, there are some blue cards. There's um what is it? Um there's this one EDH card that looks decent that mines dilation dilation where it's five colorless, oh, yeah. two blue. You want to read what it does? Sure. Mind's Dilation is five and two blue for an enchantment that says whenever an opponent casts his or her first spell each turn, that player exiles the top card of his or her library. If it's a non-land card, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. This is interesting. It's so interesting. I love it. So yeah, it definitely has some implications in EDH. Where Oh, for sure. Of course, you know, people are casting spells almost every turn and you get to just basically, you know, take if they manage to top deck a really good spell up oh, now it's yours. Yeah. And it's cool because, I mean, I think EDH is really the only place this card could be played just because seven mana is very expensive, especially in the format that we're in right now. Yeah, I don't I don't think the format's going to slow down quite enough to wear a seven mana enchantment that does literal nothing when you cast it um, will be good enough for standard. Uh, but in EDH, I mean, this is pretty cool because she, you basically just say, I'm going to play with y'all's decks. So <laughs> that, that seems fine. Oh yeah. It's, um, would she be good in, was it Z drew? The, 
Oh, the... Zedru the Great Hearted? Yeah, Zedru or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that could that could work. Because, I mean, well, uh, maybe. Because, I mean, Zedru is like a group hug type Yeah, deck. maybe not. I don't so, know. So, I mean, this is something you could play in that deck, but you would never want to give away control of this. Because oh, no. then, then that person gets to start playing with everybody's decks. Um, I think it's more... I, I think it's very gonna. It's probably very good in like a, a grindy blue control deck that wants to draw a bunch of cards and cast a bunch of spells. I would think. Yeah, maybe, I can maybe, see that. Maybe like a Niv Mizzet deck or something like that. Mm, maybe. But I don't know. Could be interesting. Yeah. So, what's one of the blue cards that you're liking? I really like fortune's favor and i may be one of the few people that like it but i really like that card a lot um, let me see that one it might be a little pricey but i feel like it's its ability is very interesting and it's kind of a new spin on an, uh on a on the factor fiction type choice oh so. okay so it's three colorless one blue an instant Target opponent looks at the top four cards of your library and separates them into a face-down pile and a face-up pile. Put one pile into your hand and the other into your graveyard. That's interesting. Yeah, it's it's really cool. So, I mean, if you can picture how this is going to work, you know, your opponent is going to have one pile where you can see everything that's in the pile and then one pile where you don't get to see. And it's going to be up to you to kind of judge based on how your opponent separates the piles, what could be the face down card. And so it's going to, it's going to have some interesting mind game things with it. I think. Oh yeah. I don't know if it's going to be like really good necessarily. I'm, I'm not certain of that, but it's, it's just weird enough that it really kind of piques my interest a little bit. I, I like it. Yeah, that it's definitely going to be interesting. Yeah, And I really like the mind game aspect of it because do you show them the better cards face up and then make them think that there are better cards face down or, you know, or do you, you know, or vice versa, you know? Yeah. What I mean? Or do you do like, you know, what, what, or do you do like, okay, you put like maybe the, like you separate the pile into like three cards face up and one card face down, you know, and make them think, okay, what could that one card that's face down be? And maybe they take it and it's a land. You know, it's just like, there's a lot of really interesting mind games that you can do with a card like this. So I plan to put it in a bunch of EDH decks, I'll tell you that. Um, I don't know, like I said, I don't know if it's good enough really necessarily for competitive standard, but it looks like a ton of fun. Oh, yeah. Right, the The other card that I liked and up uh, sorry is um one of the one of the counter spells that are there that may see standard play it's a little bit expensive on the counter spell side but it's definitely interesting it's summary dismissal if you want to go ahead and read what it does yeah let me get down to it here i don't remember what that does oh okay so summary dismissal is two blue blue and it's an instant exile all other spells and counter all abilities so, basically, are we looking at kind of like a, a remand with a stifle attached to it? That's what it seems like. It's 
Well, because it's countering it's countering an ability, right? Which yeah. is what which is what Stifle does, and then it's exiling all other spells, so it's not bouncing them back to the hand like Reman does. No. Okay, this is this is interesting. So this would almost sort of be like your trump card if you, if you were doing a control deck. You'd you know it. Of course, with control decks, you play plenty of mana, so you're doing a counter war or something like that, or at, or an ability war, and you know the the stack is just getting too too great, and like oh look, your trump card is summary dismissal, you just exile yeah. everything, just like, get the fuck out of my face. It reminds me of uh, there was a card like this from um, Return to Ravnica, that was a uh, counterflux. That was just, I think it was red and two blue for counter target spell, but then you could overload it to counter every spell on the stack besides that one. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, that that's what this reminds me of. It's just, like, for that counter war, like, this is the final, like, this is it. Like, this is, if, if they have a summary dismissal, it does, like, they can bait you into throwing a bunch of counters on the stack and then just throw this down and be like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm winning every counter war ever. Yeah, definitely. And this gives me a little bit of hope that we may see a good blue control deck in standard. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, four mana, let's 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 be honest here. Four mana is a steep price to pay, but for everything you're getting for four mana, I that seems worth it to me. I mean, especially the ability to counter all abilities. I mean, that's not something we've had in a very long time. Oh, yeah. So yeah, get, no, you're right, since Ravnica. Yeah. So, I mean, to get that back, I mean, I can't think of too many super good uh, ability, like activated abilities right now that would be summary dismissible. But, um, yeah, that's one to keep your eye on going forward, especially if there's a card that suddenly, like if there's a combo that develops or, or something like that with a great activated ability. Um yeah, keep your eye on summary dismissal. That's an interesting one. Well, you know, speaking of counter spells, we also have a a remand type card as well. Yes, in blue, Ubs- Ubsubstantiate. I've seen a lot of buzz about this one. People are are very excited about this. <laughs> yeah. So while it doesn't have as good of a upside of you being able to draw a card. It's, you know, it's one in a blue, just like Remand, and it's an instant return target spell or creature to its owner's hand. So, I mean, it it slows them down. The The only thing I don't like about it is you don't get to draw a card like Remand. Yeah, but and it, I'm, they had to do something, because Remand was just obviously very, very powerful, especially, I think, because you got to draw a card. Um. So taking that away, I think, was their concession to, okay, well, we can try to reprint a remand-like card. We just need to take something off of it. Yeah. So, it makes sense, but, I mean, I, this, this is going to see play. I mean, I'm almost 100% positive this is going to see play. Because even though it's not like a counter spell in the sense that you counter that spell and it goes to the graveyard, you know, you're just bouncing the spell back to their hand, it's not like this is limited to creatures or instants or sorceries this is a i I, you know basically counters anything for a turn counter spell yeah 
and it's uh, it, it's going to be a hell of a tempo card. I mean, because this is just what you want to be doing for days is making them bounce stuff back to their hand. So yeah, I, I could see this seeing seeing play everywhere, all over the place. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, are there any other blue cards that you can think of that look good? Um, I'm just scanning through it real quick. There wasn't a whole lot in blue, I think, that really caught my eye. I mean, there were some that caught my eye just from like a flavor perspective. Um, like uh, Dosian of Perfection, um, which is the three and two blue, five, four creature insect horror which is the final stage in the development of poor old delver of secrets oh yeah that one so it's i mean it's a ter- it's not a great magic card it's it's a five four with flying for five mana that when you cast an instant or sorcery spell put a one one blue human wizard creature token onto the battlefield then if you control three or more wizards you get to transform dosian of perfection into final iteration which is a 6-5 flying that gives wizards you control plus 2, plus 1, and flying. And when you cast an instant or sorcery spell, put a 1-1 one, one blue human wizard creature token onto the battlefield. So Shit. it's, it's going to be... I think this card is going to be a limited bomb if you're able to get enough instants or sorceries to go off. Um, I don't really see it being all that constructed playable maybe but it's just cool it from a i like it from a flavor perspective because oh yeah i've seen you know we've seen the full story of delver of secrets now with this last one so. it's the only thing it's missing is a mythic yeah but i mean you, you they'd there'd have to be a third innistrad unless he somehow comes to kaladesh <laughs> heaven forbid <laughs> but um you know what i would like this in my nin the pain aren't paint artist deck yeah. because this car would actually be really good now that i think about it because it's all my creatures are wizards and yeah. pr- pretty much the only way i win with that deck is just by drawing cards and draw cards pretty much <laughs> well this i mean this is tailor-made for if you've got you know a wizard tribal theme going because like you can just play this and if you already have three wizards oh yeah uh, I mean, you still have to you still have to cast at least once instant or sorcery in order to flip it. Yep. But um, if you can flip this thing, uh, holy crap! <laughs> I mean, that the 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 flip side on this card is is just nuts. And I love how they become three two um, Delver of Secrets. Yeah, they basically all become insectile aberrations. Yeah, yeah, like, that, that's what it is. Is oh, the flavor is just perfect with this whole arc. I love, I love it. it. Uh, the other, in terms of flavor, and I just really like the art of it, the other blue flip card, um, was it Curious Homunculus? Yeah. Which is him reading the books. I mean, I'm not even going to really talk about the card. It's not that great. It's, um, it's, you tap it for, you tap, you know, a waste mana to only cast an insert sorcery. And then once there's three or more sorcery, instant or sorcery cards in your graveyard, you can transform Curious Homunculus to Voracious Reader. So he's in like a library reading books. And then it looks like when you flip them, he's ripping books apart. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, and we should probably mention that the flip mechanic works a little bit different in this set. where Whereas in other Innistrad sets, you know, 
something happens, you flip and it becomes uh, a more powerful version of whatever it was that you flipped over. In this, all of the flips are all Eldrazi. So when a creature flips, it is becoming corrupted by the Eldrazi. So he flips from a homunculus to an Eldrazi homunculus on the other side. And that's Oh shit. You know, I'm really slow. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, it took me a while because like I was just like looking through all the flip cards. I'm like, wait, all of these flip into an Eldrazi version of them. Oh, that's cool. You know? <laughs> like so every flip card that you see, if it flips, it is flipping into a corrupted version an Eldrazi corrupted version of itself. Ulrich doesn't look like he flips into a corrupted version, though. Does he not? Oh. Ulrich is the uh, the mythic, right? Yeah, the mythic werewolf. No, he doesn't. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. So that's the only one. Even the um, even the artifact cryptolith fragment that turns to an Eldrazi reflection. All the werewolves, besides the mythic one, are are flipped into Eldrazi werewolves. And you know, I don't really care what people say yeah people may be getting tired of eldrazi and all that but god some of the art in this it just looks fucking creepy and oh yeah freaky and just awesome looking it's, this is the stuff of nightmares yeah this is disgusting i mean a lot of this art is just <laughs> gross but amazing at the same time oh yeah like the like the one the white one the lone rider it's you know yeah. guy riding a horse and then when he flips the horse holy shit that horse looks fucked up man <laughs> <laughs> flips into it that rides as one yeah Which, even the name on that is like oh like you just kind of get like this whole set is like gory and tentacly and just grossness awesomeness i love it yeah man all right let me see here so See, we kind of talked about black. Were there any other black cards? Well, I think I think it's worth mentioning because I've seen some people say that this is going to break um, EDH. We should probably oh, what's that one? We should probably mention Tree of Perdition. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, this guy. So Tree of Perdition, it's three and a black for a creature plant with Defender. It's a zero thirteen. And it has an ability, tap, exchange target opponent's life total with Tree of Perdition's toughness. So if you think about it in EDH, like if I go turn one soul ring, by turn two I can have a Tree of Perdition, by turn three your life total is 13 and I have a 040. So that's a thing. Holy crap. <laughs> uh, yeah it's yeah it's uh it's gonna i i foresee this getting banned pretty quickly in edh well i mean i know there's other cards that you know will get your life total down to 10 i think isn't soren one of them yeah soren markov can set your life total to 10 but it's the fact that this i think it's the fact that this can do it so quickly because soren markov is still six mana this is four, and it's, it's... And you can get four mana by turn three. Yeah. Well, by, I mean, or, technically by turn two, you can have... Yeah, four. yeah, you're right, you're right, because Soul Ring, yeah. Or if you're, like, some kind of crazy, stupid, weird deck that can get it out as early as turn one, then, I mean, I mean, it's just gonna... 
it's going to do weird stuff. And also, I just want to point out that this card combos extremely well with Triskaidekaphobia. I'm just going to throw that out there. Because um, it'll instantly set anybody's life total to 13. Oh, that'll be the draft dream. Yes. <laughs> I hope I draft this. The okay. tree and Triskaidekaphobia. Because you can actually put the trigger on the stack for Triskaidekaphobia and then at instant speed activate your tree of perdition to set somebody's life total to 13 and they're dead and they're dead. So that's going to be interesting. Is this card good? No, I don't think it's very good, but is what? it, gonna, is it going to do some stupid things? It's going to do a lot of stupid broken things. This paired with assault formation. I think I may it's just rebuild my wall deck. I had during um, the M15 days when dragons came out. Yeah, this, <laughs> this could be a thing. <laughs> hell no that deck was terrible <laughs> i i actually brought that deck to an fnm and oh i feel sorry for you <laughs> oh i i didn't win i actually did win one round actually That's and it was just a guy wasn't expecting it all but the one card i was not expecting to see at all d during the fnm one guy had it in his sideboard and when he played it i would just shook my head like are you fucking kidding me i didn't expect to see it and that card was siege dragon <laughs> he blew up all my fucking walls i'm like i'm like you're fucking kidding me right now <laughs> who plays siege dragon no one did that's why i brought the deck but this one guy had it <laughs> that's insane yeah wow. and his reasoning for ha having it i don't remember what deck he was playing it was a meta deck at the time but he was just using siege dragon as filler i think as a filler sideboard card until he got the card he needed so yeah <laughs> oh, that's interesting oh man that that was that was a funny night i yeah. only played that one fnm i'm like i'm never playing this again it was boring but funny whenever it you know finally won i mean it sounds hilarious but it does sound just absolutely terrible at the same time <laughs> oh it was it was great loved it <laughs> that's awesome Oh, man. Let's see. I'm looking at red now. You know, red is the, the color that has really not... I'm not very impressed with red. Maybe I'm missing something, but I'm really not that impressed with red. Yeah, I mean, the Mythic Dragon is sort of like Zada, where it's three and two red. It's a flying 4-5. Whenever a player casts an instant or sorcery spell that targets only Mirror Wing Dragon... That player copies that spell for each other creature he or she controls that the spell could target. Each copy targets a different one of those creatures. So it's basically like a, if if they target, I know this isn't in the set, but say they targeted this with a Dune Blade and they've got four white creatures on the board. This reflects back and all of their creatures die, right? Like, is that the yeah. way that it works? Yeah. But now... The spell that you target Mirror Wing Dragon with still resolves on Mirror Wing Dragon, right? Am I reading that correctly? Yep. So yep, because you you target Mirror Wing, the the ability triggers and then it copies that, and then the copies will resolve, and then I guess the final one resolves. Yeah. So I guess like so, if somebody were to target Mirror Wing Dragon with murder. Or something like that. Like the mirror wing dragon is still gonna die. Yep. But it just will probably wipe your opponent's board at the same time. 
which that's not bad. No, I, mean, it's I, I would definitely pick this in limited. Sure. And but... I mean, if you think about it, it just says a player. So you could technically, like if you've got a mirror wing dragon out and a couple other creatures and a pump spell, you can target mirror wing dragon with your pump spell and it will let you copy it for each of your creatures. Yep. So, you know, you can do kind of an overrun with mirror wing dragon too. So yeah, yeah, I would pick it in limited. It seems like an A. Yeah, I just don't see it seeing any play at all unless some of course I see people making jank with mirror wing and Zada, but it's no, nah, I don't see anything else. Yeah, and I mean Zada Zada did almost the exact same thing and cost a full mana and a full color less. So I don't yeah, if Zada didn't see much play, I don't see Mirror Wing Dragon seeing much play. Yeah, with Zada, it's whenever you cast a instant or something. Oh, so it was only yeah, okay, so it was only you. I gotcha. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah, so as far as other cards, it's God, it's there is a quote unquote lightning strike in the set, but it's a sorcery incendiary flow. Yeah, not quite. Not quite. I, I don't know. we're I don't think we're gonna get uh another lightning strike or lightning bolt ever again. Like, I, just, I, I can see uh, lightning bolt not coming back when even though that's stupid, but it's it'd be dumb never to have lightning strike again. It's it's like why? Why wizards? I think they're too afraid of removal. Just because, I mean, wizards seems to be putting a lot of emphasis on limited as a format recently. Like they're building sets with limited in mind way more than they used to. Yeah. They so do. they're trying really hard to make removal not as good, so that way limited is healthier. Uh, but it does put a strain on constructed formats when, when you know, because when removal is bad, that's when things like combo or uh, where combo can run rampant and control decks suffer when the when the removal is bad. So it's it's a trade off, and uh, I don't know if we'll never see a lightning strike ever again, but we're definitely not getting one anytime soon. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, it really does because I don't really think lightning strike was unhealthy. Like lightning bolt was certainly very very powerful, but I don't ever I never thought two mana deal three damage was all that bad. No, it's yeah yeah I can't think of it like warping a format. No. I mean something like Thoughtseize definitely warped a format. Yeah, and we got that but, back. <laughs> yeah, and it was never fun, you know, being on the draw and your opponent goes swamp Thoughtseize, and you're like, oh great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, anytime that you saw like turn one swamp tap, you're like, here it comes. Yep. All right. Yep. You take my. Yep. Okay. Great. All right. Game two. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, I guess let's skip to green. There's, if you want to find a green card you like, go ahead and read it. It's. Oh, I can, I've, already, I've already got my eye on one. If you've got your eye on one. Oh, is it the sorcery one? The uh, Eldritch Evolution. You mean Natural Order for yeah, Standard? Yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> God, why did they reprint? Why are not reprint? But why did they print this? This is ridiculous. This is this is so crazy, dude. Go ahead and read this off because I've got lots of things to say about. Well, this. no, you you can read it. I've read all, all right. the, quite a few of them. That's fair. Uh, Eldritch Evolution. 
one green green for a sorcery. As an additional cost to cast Eldritch Evolution, sacrifice a creature. Search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost X or less, where X is 2 plus the sacrificed creature's converted mana cost. Put that card onto the battlefield. Then shuffle your library, exile Eldritch Evolution. Yep, here's Natural Order. <laughs> it's... I, I, don't, I don't... What was going through their minds when they were making this? I mean, you, you know how Wizards comes out with those articles where they have, like, the design team talking about certain cards, you know, yeah. the design process for it? I want to know why they came out with this card. Because, you know, you could almost make, you know, I could almost make my el my Elves deck in Modern more closer to Legacy than anything now. Yeah, and, you know, that may be... Honestly, like I, I honestly think this card is is being printed to shake up stuff like modern, because you know, like we have, we've always had cards that come very like very close to just being busted in modern with similar text on them. Like the the one that comes to mind is something like birthing pod. Yeah, like this kind of reminds me of a birthing pod, and I wonder if they were like, oh well, we took away birthing pod, so now we're gonna throw it in as a sorcery instead, and you know, I wonder if this was printed with modern in mind because this does immediate like i see this card and i immediately just think like I, I i could build a pod deck with this or close to it yeah it's oh my i don't even know man it's just I, i'm excited for it to see play but it just makes me wonder how this even passed r&d it's going to be interesting. It's going to be one of those cards I think that either warps the format and will just or will just be a complete flash in the pan. You know, it it's got it's got such a min max reward on it. But anytime that we've seen a card like this, it's always been good. I can't think of a single version that was bad. So, yeah, I, I think Eldritch Evolution is going to be just busted as hell. Oh yeah, man, and it's. If we're thinking of standard here, I can see Green Red Ramp definitely utilizing this card. Oh yeah, because it's not only that you're getting you're basically getting ramp when you cast this because it's two plus X. I mean, well, no, X is two plus the converted mana cost of the sacrifice creature. So if I'm sacking a four drop when I cast Eldritch Evolution, I'm getting a six drop on the battlefield immediately. Yeah, you could get something like Conduit of Ruin by, you know, turn five. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a turn earlier, and then, you know, you go and sack, um, well, shit, no, World Breaker is seven, so you can only go up to nine. Um, yeah, you can't actually, I don't think you could actually get one of the big Eldrazi out with this card. No, I don't all think that All that effectively. But, you know, what you just said is not unfeasible where you go like turn all you would need is like uh one of the mana dorks and then you could on turn what would be like turn three play a three drop turn four cast this go get conduit of ruin conduit of ruin enters the battlefield go get my world breaker put it on top of my deck next turn i'm casting world breaker then crack my sanctum and yeah get, uh ulamog yeah so i mean it that that seems like a pretty fine little sequence of plays right there. Oh yeah. I mean the other card that it that 
has got me a little excited for ramp again is um emrakul's influence two colorless two green uh enchantment whenever you cast an eldrazi creature spell with converted mana cost seven or greater draw two cards <laughs> and that is uh, you may hear my mic go a little crazy i moved it that is a little bit crazy because that has always been one of the biggest weaknesses of ramp is when you start when you have no cards there you don't really have any draw power yeah some decks did play causal and unstable so okay all right so my recording program decided to crash on us and i'm back to it so let's hope it's stable now yay um i think yeah i was just talking about emrakul's influence and one of the issues that ramp has always had was the lack of card draw yeah and this could be because you could play this by turn three or four and you know it's very easy to play you know plenty of world breakers by turn five and you just keep drawing two cards and hopefully drawing into more answers and then cracking your sanctums for to get more ulamogs out so who knows with this card you know maybe green red ramp may come back i don't know it could i mean it's going to provide some consistency to that deck which i mean you know ramp always needs consistency so i could i could see it um the only problem i see with it is that it it's four mana do nothing enchantment which is not really what you want to be doing with four mana in that deck you want to be casting stuff like explosive vegetation um but you know it's it's an engine I mean, if you get that engine rolling, drawing two cards while tutoring up what you want with Sanctums, there's nothing wrong with that. That sounds pretty good to me. Oh, yeah. Um, Looking at some of the other green cards. Let me see. I love the Prey Upon art. Yeah, the new Prey Upon art is really sweet. And Prey Upon is is a great limited card, too. So I think uh, it's cool to see that card come back. Yeah, and some of the other art. Um, I mean, what's that? The oak grapple with the past, the make a wish and grapple with the past. God, that's just love it. How the little girl turns into an Eldrazi. It's cool. <laughs> I like it. Um, I like uh, I like Primal Druid, just because you know ramp again. We we got another mana dork. I mean, it's not really a mana dork, but it's a uh, Oh, shoot. What's that bunch of... Like, Borderland Ranger, I guess, type card? Could be, like, Yavamaya Elder. Yeah, there you go. The the whole, like, I play a dude and I get a land along with it. So it's ramp, but it's not a dork. Yeah. But uh, the fact that it's an O3, it means that it's going to block pretty well. So I could see I could see that maybe finding a home somewhere. Yeah, maybe. Um... I mean, hell, Splendid Reclamation would be good in EDH, especially for, like, Gitrog Monster. Yeah. Or, um, if you were... Would, would Omnath be good with it? Uh, if, if your lands got all destroyed, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I could see it in, like, a, a lands-style deck, even, like, with Life from the Loam and stuff like that. that that's, yeah, that's true. Um, I don't really see it and constructed all that much but pdh i could probably see it popping up here and there 
or even any deck where you're just discarding cards for value. You know, if, if I'm just discarding land cards for value and then casting this to return them all, that seems just fine. Yeah, so in case you don't know, Splendid Reclamation is three colorless and a green. Return all land cards from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. So, say someone, you're an EDH and someone plays, plays what, Armageddon? Yeah. Destroy all lands. Oh, look, you got them all back. Yeah. Um, or, you know, if you're just, like, discarding random cards, discard your lands and then cast this, get all your lands back, life from the loam. You could do some shenanigans with this card, I think, for sure. Oh, yeah. So, to hurry it up here, I'm starting to get a little tired. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. We've been um, a while. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of the longer ones, longer podcasts, but... Just some of the other cards that I want to mention that are pretty crazy. Um, going to the multicolored ones. Heron's Grace Champion. Thank God this card doesn't cost three because this is just ridiculous. Yeah, this is disgusting. If you want to <laughs> go ahead and read it. This is just, it's, uh, why it's, wizards? Yeah, I don't I don't understand, especially with how powerful green-white is right now. But it is two green-white for a 3-3 three, three with flash and lifelink. And when Heron's Grace Champion enters the battlefield, other human creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and gain lifelink until end of turn. What the actual hell? <laughs> like, what the actual fucking hell am I looking at right now? Yeah, the, the plus side is it can't be cocoed, but... But we... even so, I mean, this thing has flash. You can do this mid-combat. To just completely wreck your opponent, you can do this. You could just, even for no value, which I don't know why you would do that, but you could just flash this in at end of turn and have a hasty 3-3. Three, three. Oh, God. This is yeah. not okay. This card is not okay. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, as soon as I saw it, I'm like, at my first reaction was, oh, this is a cool card. And I'm like, why, Wizards? Why would you do this to us? Yeah, that's... Its standard I, is stale enough as it is, and it's bad enough that, as far as how stale standard has been, that they decided to print Tamio as a Bant-colored? Yeah, that... I, I'm scratching my head on that one. It's, um... Even though she... I don't think she would see play right now in, like, Bant Company... I could yeah. see a bank control deck. The pieces seem to be there for like either a bank control or a more mid rangey deck. Like it looks like the pieces are kind of there, and she's certainly powerful, so she could see some play. I wouldn't be surprised, but it, it wouldn't be in a in a bank company shell. I don't think. No, it's um. Just to read what she does, she's one colorless, a green, white, and blue. Her plus one... Oh, she has four loyalty counters, which that seems a bit high. Yeah, four uh, for four. I mean, that's 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 it, good value. Yeah. it. Yeah, I guess that seems good. Uh, her plus one is choose up to two target creatures until your next turn. Whenever either of those creatures deals combat damage, you draw a card. It's not combat damage to a player... So they can just, you know, you swing in when you're, with your Sylvan Advocates or your Reflector Mages and, you know, they get blocked and you still draw a card. Shit. Yeah, well, and think about this crazy sequence of plays, right? 
uh, it says until your next turn. So, like, let's say I've got two Sylvan, ad uh, two Sylvan Advocates on the battlefield. I cast Tamio, plus one on my Sylvan Advocates, attack, draw two cards, right? Those suckers yeah. have Vigilance. So if they attack into my Sylvan Advocates and I block with them, they deal damage again, I draw two more cards. Oh, I didn't think of it that way. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, Holy shit. That is so gross. Yeah, there, there's going to be some sort of ban control shell there's there's got to be it yeah. the, the pieces are there it's going to be slower than bant company but because oh there's so much good white removal there's now there's better counter spells in blue you yeah. know they've got the remand and they've got the summary dismissal friggin' green just has sick creatures yeah on there so sylvan advocate and then in blue and white you got stuff like reflector mage um it, it, you got all kinds of tools in those colors, so I, I would be shocked if there wasn't a control deck there. But uh, go ahead and finish up Tamio. Uh, Tamio, her negative two, tap up to two target non-land permanents. They don't untap during their controller's next untap step, so that's a good way to protect her. Mm -hmm. And didn't she do this in her last iteration? Didn't she have a tap ability? I think she did. Well, let, me look, let me pull her up here. I don't remember. Almost 100% sure the original Tamio also tapped. And yeah, for... her plus one was just tap one target permanent. Okay. And so. then it was just permanent. So you could tap, like, you, I remember you could lock down people's lands and stuff with Tamio. Too. Yeah. You can't do that anymore. They won't let you do that anymore. No, because Wizards hates fun. <laughs> That's why. And then her ultimate, her negative seven, my god. Uh, <laughs> draw three cards then you get an emblem that emblem that basically says i cast whatever the fuck i want without paying the mana cost yeah <laughs> yeah i mean original tamio's ultimate was game winning this tamio's ultimate is game winning tamio just seems to be one of those planeswalkers that's like yeah if, if you're able to ultimate me that's it the the game is done <laughs> yeah if you th this is where that when Tamio comes on the field, if you can't figure out a way to get rid of it, you're, oh, you have to kill her. Yeah. yeah, it's. I mean, th I mean that's true for basically all planeswalkers, but for this one, it's definitely true. You do not want that ultimate going off. It's no, not at all. It's just yeah, you're basically allowing them to just throw up their hand and. You know, be like, yeah. fuck you, buddy. They could cast anything. They could even cast, I mean, if if you want to be super silly in EDH, they could even cast, like, Enter the Infinite Omniscience for free. And then they're going to cast everything else for free. And it's gross. God. <laughs> oh, fuck, man. But, yeah, I mean, as far as the other multicolored cards, they're... I, I like the the Gissa and Garolf as the as the flavor card win right there. Yeah, and I I like the fact that Zombie seems to be getting some good attention here. I don't think it's still enough yet to actually give us a Zombie deck, but uh, I do like the Gissa and Garolf card just for a flavor aspect, and the art is kind of pretty on that too. Yeah, because they're what brother and sister, right? I aren't they? Think so. They're either brother and sister or husband and wife. I can't remember. They're one or the other. Yeah. Um, as far as colorless cards go, um, 
I just want to bring up Emrakul real no, no, quick. No, brother and sister. They're brother and sister. Oh, okay, okay. I just read the flavor text on the bottom. Definitely brother and sister. Ew. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, there was Jamie and Cersei and. Yeah, Game yeah, we're going full Game of Thrones on here. Gissa and Geralt, ship it. Yeah, no, not really. <laughs> Do you watch that show? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. That last episode of season six. It was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. I almost broke down, man. I was like, I was like near tears. Yeah, and I, I, I'm not going to talk about any spoilers on here in case anyone hasn't seen. Yeah, it, I wouldn't. Episode care. nine, the the episode before that with the big battle scene, dude, that was. I think that had more like visceral and realness to it than, uh, Lord of the Rings did. Like it was. It was on a whole new tier. I mean, it was definitely the best episode of that show that has ever been aired. And the it was gorgeous. I mean, the whole episode was just gorgeous. Like, I was on the edge of my seat. Like, oh, yeah. my God. Oh, my God. Because um, I've read all the books, and we're way past the books now. Yeah, well, it, this that was the whole deal with this whole last season. was just yeah. like, yeah, we're done with the books. We're going off the deep end now. We're, we are creating our own content because George R. R. Martin writes too slow. So, well, I mean, yeah, the, the producers know, like, what's going to happen in the story. They know the major plot points, but, they're, but they've taken very different roads to get there, though. Yeah, exactly. But, um, all right, yeah, shit, that could be a whole other fucking podcast. <laughs> it basically could be. <laughs> yeah that's uh, i don't have time man <laughs> um so j just to get on with it real quick and then we can wrap it up uh, I, I just want to bring up emrakul for the colorless cards and Emer i think we have to because this yeah. this was like the biggest piece of news that came out of this set was holy crap there are eldrazi on innistrad so go ahead and read off what emrakul does let me go back up to him because he's at the booth she sorry she emrakul is a she Let's not get that confused. Don't get it twisted. All right. Emrakul, the promised end, is 13 colorless mana, for a, or generic mana, not colorless, generic. Um, for a 13-13, uh, Emrakul, the promised end, costs one less to cast for each creature type, uh, for each card type amongst cards in your graveyard. And when you cast Emrakul, you gain control of target opponent during that player's next turn. After that turn, that player takes an extra turn. And Emrakul has flying, trample, and protection from instants. So, big old girl. Oh, yeah. She's um, she's definitely a crazy card if you manage to cast it. Yeah. It's, I mean, what the most it could be is down to eight, I think. Yeah, because, I mean, it, it's basically got delirium. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to be, what, you could have land, creature, instant, sorcery, enchantment. enchantment. So, yeah, eight. I think the, the least you can cast it would be for eight. And that's if you have, like, every card type, which there are some yeah. that don't even exist in standards and stuff like that. So, so at most, I think if you were in a, in a limited game, if you managed to draft Emrakul... I, I could see 10, 11 would be, well, maybe maybe even 9 would be pretty common. 
Yeah, I think that's probably what you're going to see. And and honestly, I, I don't know how many times you're actually going to see Emrakul cast. But uh, if she ever does get cast, it's going to be uh, it's going to be the nutso show when it does happen. Yeah, and it's it may not be as good as the original Emrakul, but it's definitely flavorful. It's yeah. definitely the type where it, it fits. It is, and I and they did it properly too. Because I mean, from what I've heard, is that originally when they made this Emrakul, it was just going to do like the Mind Slaver thing on your opponent. Yeah. Um, and they changed it so then uh, for that last piece of text that says after that turn, that player takes an extra turn. Um, because you know with Mind Slaver, it's like all right, I'm going to take my turn. Now I'm going to take your turn, and look, it's my turn again. So now you don't get that third turn, basically. Um, your opponent's going to actually get to take a turn after they've, after you've had control of them, as opposed to Mind Slaver. Um, so I think they did it right. Uh, it doesn't seem she feels powerful and she feels game ending, but she doesn't feel like bad. Like it's not a feel bad game breaker of a card. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. But I think uh, I don't know. Do you think Do you think Emrakul is reasonably reasonably playable in like the Eldrazi ramp deck? Like, is is she even good enough? I I probably wouldn't play her. I uh, I don't think I would either. It feels it feels really bad to say that, but I really don't think I would. I would much rather have Ulamog than any of the other titan eldrazi titans because yeah. even um kozalik which the only good thing for kozalik is just to refill your hand with cards you know that that's why i say that one green card that enchantment is good because now you don't even have to worry about get, having kozalik you know wasting a slot in your in your deck right and it's i don't know it's just I could see it being a one of because it's easy to get to 13 mana with sure. ramp, but I could see it. Yeah. Yeah. If it's going to be in there, it's probably just going to be a one of because it's really big. It's really flashy. And for the most part, when you cast this, the game's over, but I don't, I, I really think we will. Um, oh gosh. My brain just went kaputs. Um, <laughs> Ulamog, I think, is just infinitely better. And it's definitely not... I don't think Emrakul is, is worth... I, I don't think you can reliably cast it like you can Ulamog anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I just don't see it. Yeah, the... Yeah, I, I just don't... Like I said, at most, a one of... I, I wouldn't put any more in, than that. I wouldn't either. And I would probably sideboard it out too when it came down to it. Don't get me wrong. She's cool. She's really cool. And oh, if yeah. I, if I ever open one up in limited, you can bet your ass I'm going to try to cast her. Oh, yeah. I hope I get one, you know, yeah. j just to have all three um, Titans, you know, just to have them all. Just to have the matching set. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I like doing that little stuff. It's, you know, yeah. collecting the cards and all that. Oh, for sure. Um, 
we'll we'll end it here with artifact or no no we'll do artifacts and we'll do the other meld cards and end it there um the artifact cards the only one i like out of this set i mean soul separator is good but the one that i like the most is lupine prototype just for the <laughs> fucking flavor of it it's yeah. a it's a robot werewolf this is a robot werewolf <laughs> yeah i mean of course it's going to be hard to even get this thing to attack or block because it costs two and it can't attack or block unless you unless a player has no cards in hand and it's a five five for two yeah it's i mean it's it's it it's gonna suffer under the same penalty that like Mir Superior had, which I don't. Do you remember Mir Superior from back in uh, the Mirrored and Besieged set? Oh, I know the card. I just gotta pull it up again. Mir Superior was yeah, that's two, right. Two colorless mana for a five five, but you could only cast it if you used mana produced by creatures to cast it or something like that. Like you had, it had yeah, to be produced yeah. from non-land sources or something like that, and it was, yeah, it was bad. So, like, and that was an even easier condition to pull off than this prototype will be. But just for the fact that I could say that I have a robot werewolf in my deck, yeah, I probably will will have a couple of these just for the, <laughs> just for being able to say, hey, look, yeah, I have a robot werewolf in this deck. What are you gonna do, robot wolf? Let's do this. Hell yeah, then they meld together to create, like, the robot Megazord or something. Tiger. <laughs> Wolf Sword, go. Yeah, so let's talk about the other meld cards here. The There's only three of them, actually. Because mm -hmm. it's the... Fuck, what's the first one called? Brisella. Brisella, Voice yeah. of Nightmares. Brisella is one of them, and then you have the uh, Chittering... What is it? Chittering Host? Which you need Graph Rats and Midnight Scavengers. They're both common, so that's so that's definitely probably going to be the most common one you'll see. Yeah, that might be the only one that you ever see pulled off and limited, but and and it is stupid powerful. I mean, Chittering Host is a very, very powerful card. So uh, people need to keep an eye open for these two cards because they are both common and they make a card that will probably end the game. I mean, it's it's stupid good. So do you think you would have one of these as a first pick, then? I don't know if it's quite good enough to be first pickable. Because they're in... I mean, even though they're both common... Um, yeah, even though they're both common, I think that you might be gambling a little hard to first pick these. Um, if I was going to first pick one of them, I would probably first pick the rats over the scavengers yeah two that, one for two is that's not bad yeah if i just have to play if i don't get any scavengers and i just have to play a couple two ones for two i feel a little bit better about that than having to play a couple of three threes for five um yeah even though even though the scavengers ability is good and you can combo that with the rats very effectively um but I think if you're in black and you see this combo come around the table, you should definitely try to snap it up. But I, I don't know if it's quite first pickable or not. But Chittering Host is very good. I mean, 5-6 Haste Menace that gives your other creatures plus 1, plus 0, and Menace. Like, that's that's gross. That is, that is a game ender right there. Yeah, it is. That is crazy. 
Um, the last meld card is the Hanware Battlements and the Hanware Garrison or Hanweir. I'm probably saying that wrong. Yeah. No, and I think it's Hanawar. No, Hanawar. Han Hanwar. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. And so I really like the flavor of it. So it looks like the land card, it just shows the town and its walls and it or battlements, I guess. And then the the red card, the garrison, just shows all the troops. And then when they meld together, it it's like the town becomes alive. Yeah, the, like town, the town becomes a legendary creature, Eldrazi Ooze. Like the the town literally becomes a dude. That's insane. Yeah. I want I want the again, this is another one of those arts that I want up on my wall in giant form, because it is so cool. <laughs> And the card yeah. is pretty good, too. I mean, again, these meld cards, if you're able to get them, man, these, these cards are very powerful. Yeah, it's a 7-4 Trample Haste, and whenever it attacks, put two 3-2 three, two colorless Eldrazi horror creature tokens onto the battlefield tapped and attacking. Yeah, so that, you're, when this thing attacks, you're attacking for 13. That's insane. Yeah. That, and those those tokens do not exile themselves either. So like if they which don't, that makes it even better. It's like yeah. holy shit. I, it, the first time you attack with this thing, you're attacking for thirteen. The second time you're attacking with this thing, uh, you're attacking for nineteen. If my math is correct. I mean, yeah, that's 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 a two turn clock. I mean, that's that's gross. Yeah, it, man. I'm super excited, man, for this. It's it by by the time this episode comes out, it'll be it'll be the last Friday of Shadows of Renistrad draft because it'll then be pre-release. Yeah. Which are you going to be doing any pre-release? I'm planning on it. Um, I'm planning to do at least one on Saturday, probably. Yeah. Uh, that just might because, be me. I mean, I've never missed a pre-release, so I feel like I need to continue that tradition. Even though I, I haven't really played a whole lot of Magic recently, uh, I feel like I can't miss a pre-release. So I, I'll definitely plug myself into one of those at least. What about you? Are you going to try to pre-release? Are you going to try a midnight one, or are you going to wait till Saturday? Oh, dude, I can't do midnight. I, <laughs> I did um Midnight Shadows of Renistrad, and I lasted one round and. Like I, I built a really good deck, but I had to I couldn't play. Like I was just exhausted. Yeah, it so, hurts. Yeah, I'm not young anymore. Like I was I, like I used to be able to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but um it's if I do go to pre release, it'll be on a Saturday, you know, Saturday afternoon. Yeah. And but what always happens, it's it's like clockwork. Whenever there's a pre release, something happens at work that I have to go in or something. So I gotcha. I got so, you. yeah, I'm just bracing for nothing to crash or die, but we'll see. We can hope, right? Because yeah. this is going to be, I think this is going to be a great fun set. And any time that the set is good, the pre-release is usually pretty good. So, we can hope. Yeah, man. So, before we go, I have to ask, where's the anime-a-thon, bro? <laughs> we've taken well we took a, a week off for the the fourth of july holiday because we were traveling around a lot and we just, yeah we couldn't find the time to actually record but uh i'm hoping to have the last the next episode out this weekend and then we'll be back on our normal schedule um 
but uh yeah the the fourth kind of threw us all for a loop um, we were on it was so good we were doing so good we were on such a good schedule and then the holiday came and we were like oh well there we go there goes all of our discipline and now we got to reorganize everything so it's it's still here it's not dead we're still watching the show which good lord <laughs> yeah i thought um the show was only six episodes but i think in your last episode it saying it's yeah. up to like 13 now it was, you know, originally Hulu, when I was researching the show, Hulu had six episodes up, and that's all I could find. And I was like, okay, so this is a six-episode show. That's interesting. And then I swear the next day I got on, like, we got on there to watch episode six, and they were like, oh, no, just kidding, there are ten episodes of this show. And I'm like, oh, God, are they going to keep adding episodes? But no, there actually are just ten episodes. So um, we're going to be done after we record this one, we'll have one more show of Helsing Ultimate, and then I've got our next show lined up, ready to go, which everybody can find out what that'll be on the next episode of the Animeathon. So that'll be Sweet. fun. Oh wait, no, there's. Oh okay, I'm I'm on Hulu right now, and I just see Helsing. It's Helsing Ultimate you're watching. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Different. It's it's the same basic story. It's just uh, Ultimate is the kind of modernization of of Helsing. Okay. It's kind of like what they did with uh, Full Metal Alchemist and Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Um, where they never just... seen that. Oh, dude, that's one you gotta watch. Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood was is probably, and I it's not just me saying this, but a, a bunch of really staunch anime critics will say that it's the best anime show ever made. Um, it's just the perfect show. It's got the perfect combination of of emotional. Uh, roller coasters, action, comedy. It's it's just uh, it's scary from time to time. It's it's just the perfect show. Yeah, it's um, I don't know. I've I've tried getting back into anime. It's I don't know, it's just hard for me. There's so many other shows I'm watching right now. Yeah, that it okay. just gets tough. And like I said, I used to be really into it, and then I started watching or reading manga more than anything, and well, that's going to the source material. I mean, and, yeah. and really, like, that's the, the way it was meant to be from the beginning. So I, I can't really fault you for that. <laughs> yeah, it's the last anime I even read was Naruto. And I, I, I only read it just out of habit because I wanted to see it end. Yeah. And it finally ended. And that I think that it, I did watch a few episodes of what One Punch Man yeah, that's that's a newer show. I actually haven't seen any of it yet, but a lot of people have told me it's very good. It, it was pretty funny. It's I would definitely watch more of it. It's just I don't know. I'm so addicted to some other shows that are on right now. Yeah, well, now that Game of Thrones is over for me, it's like all right, I can cross one of those off my list, and now I've got some free time before Walking Dead comes back. But I've also been watching like Preacher. I really like that show, and um. A couple of others, so my my time is pretty crunched as well when it comes to TV shows. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I'm addicted to True Blood right now. I've never seen it before. Oh yeah, no, we used to. My wife was obsessed with it. We actually own all the uh, seasons of it. <laughs> it's it's really good. I just got on season five, and I've only been watching it for like a month. I've been binge watching. Yeah, as much as I can. It's a good show for binge watching because it's it's one of those that hooks you pretty quick and doesn't let up. 
it gets a little weird there towards the end, but otherwise it, it stays pretty good. Yeah, man. So anything you want to plug anything before we get going? We talked about anime thon, anything else? Yeah. I mean, just make sure that, I mean, the anime thon is my biggest project that I'm doing right now with my wife, Allison. You can check that out on iTunes and on Twitter at the anime thon and at our website at, uh, anime thon.com. Uh, we're part of the nerd archetype network there with the, uh, uh, VCR gaming and of course, magic Kazubi. So, yep. uh, do us a favor and check that show out because it's a uh, it's a definitely a pet passion project of mine and my wife's now. She's actually gotten really into it, and because of that, she wants to do more podcasts. So you never know what could be coming down the pipeline. But that's the biggest thing I'll plug. And if you want to, you can follow me on Twitter at Alec the Dirtle on Twitter, um, and uh, my stream is also uh, TwitchTV.com/slash Alec the Dirtle. I've been playing a lot of Hearthstone, but once my uh, uh, PC gets back in order, I'm probably going to switch over to playing more Magic on stream, too. That'll be cool. Yeah, I've been trying to do that more lately. At, le- at least once or twice a week, try to play Magic on stream. Yeah, the uh, the last PC I had had some trouble running the client very well, so I'm hoping that uh, that can get fixed, and then you know, or I could just sit here and complain about the Magic Online client. <laughs> well, it is pretty terrible. So. <laughs> But that's basically it. Uh, I don't have too much else to plug right now, but definitely check out the Animeathon. It's a fun time. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. It oh, it was a long episode, but it was a lot of good talking with you, man. Yeah, it's well worth it, man. It's always a blast. I will come on anytime, and we definitely need to do that pack deck building thing because that sounds like way too much fun. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe a few weeks after Eldritch Moon is out. I've got, like I said, I've got two boxes on the way, so I'll save some packs, you know, out of those boxes and just set them aside for us. Sounds great. We'll have fun. All right, man. Well, have a good night, all right? You too, Zuby. We'll see you. All right, bye. Bye.